Let's not be those guys. Those guys that make Star Wars references. Oh, is that against the rules on the Good Day Sir show? Yes. Now you like Star Wars. Why are you? Are you anti Star Wars? Or? I don't know. I'm kind of anti nerding it up. Holy crap! What is that? Yeah, the beer. Should we get right into that? Yes. <laughs> Apparently, you've already gotten into it. <laughs> I just took a sip of it out of habit. I just grabbed it and drank it, and then it, was, it hit me. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I don't have a name for this one yet. I do grape soda. <laughs> grape soda. Yes. What? It tasted like grape soda. Oh my gosh. Taste it again. That's insane. I've had about a dozen people taste this and no grape one's soda. Anything like that. Oh my gosh. Hang on. Just get a little bit of it. What is wrong with you? Even the aftertaste is like like I just drank grape soda. What was in your glass? Before that. Grape soda. <laughs> no. No. Well, can you guess what kind of beer this is? It's without saying grape soda, because that's clearly not what it is. I don't know, it's a stout of some kind. Yeah. So this this beer was inspired by the candy bar Almond Joy. It's got it's a it's a stout. It's an imperial stout. Comes in at about fourteen point five percent alcohol. So it is a it's a big boy. It is a serious beer. Well, it's not serious. It's a big one. <clears throat> um, but it's got um, cacao, cacao nibs, uh, <laughs> toasted coconut, which I did myself. A pound of toasted coconut, toasted almonds, which I also did myself, and three vanilla beans worth of vanilla extract. Yeah, so it's supposed to taste like a candy bar, a almond almond joy candy bar. So you should be getting coconut. Uh, the grape thing, I have no idea what's wrong with you. You need to like clean your nose out or something. I still, I'm still tasting grape soda. I'm sorry, I taste grape. Wow, that kind of artificial. You always ruin my beers. You always ruin flavor. my beer tastings. <laughs> I'm just telling you what I taste at, at the party. I had at least a dozen people tasted this, and without telling them what it is, and they were all like, "Oh my gosh, the coconut." Coconut? Yeah. No. This, yes, that is by Even far the Even on the nose, main, I smell grape soda. That's by, okay, we have, is something wrong with, either you're smelling your upper lip. <laughs> Maybe it was that Christmas beer I had at lunch. It just ruined my palate. It might have. That thing was, blew that was it strong. Uh, but no one mentioned anything, any, any fruit at all, really. Ugh. I was getting caramel, chocolate, and, uh, yeah, and coconut. Coconut was the big one that seems to come through the most. Anyway. Well, well, at thanks, first for, I, thanks for ruining it. At first, taste, I thought though. I got kind of like a Dr. Pepper taste, and then it placed it, and then it hit me. I was like, no, that's a grape soda taste. <laughs> I, yeah, something's wrong with you. All right. Oh, there's a lot wrong with me. I won't deny that. Well, let's move on to uh, what what'd you get for Christmas? Kick in the butt. That's what I got. I was up until the wife and there I were up go. until two o'clock on Sunday night. And then we had to get up at seven when the kids woke up. Why were we up till two? Just like putting together toys and stuff. Yeah, because apparently Santa had a rough year and uh, he didn't have enough elves to put together the toys, so uh, we had to put together the Santa toys. So, uh, what did you guys have that required assembly? Uh, one of them was like this Beyblade arena, so it's like these little tops that you can spin, and they you, they land inside this little cage, and they basically hit each other until one of them explodes. It's actually kind of fun. Hmm. In fact. Uh, Everyone in the family picked and ordered a blade, a babe, what they're called, blade blades. Yeah, because everyone wants their own. Okay. <laughs> to play. Hmm. And my daughter, that was the easy one to put together. the The other one to put together was this thing called Shopkins Mall. 
it's it's like a Barbie house, but for these things called Shopkins, and they're basically dolls with little food with faces, and I think they eat them. I don't know. They they eat their they like food as pets with faces, and I don't know if they eat them or not, but that's what Shopkins are. I've heard of both of those, they, but they both sound weird to me. Well, they have a a <clears throat> alternative to the Shopkins, which is Grocery Gang, and Grocery spelled G R O S S, and it's basically rotten food. But they're tiny, tiny little plastic things that are easily lost, and the kids throw fits when they can't find them. Yep. And we end up tearing apart the house trying to find them. Oh, my kids have meltdowns when they can't find something. Yeah. It's, I don't know why they get so small, and they love them when they're not, they know. love the smaller ones. Can't stand it. John, what did you get for Christmas? Um, well, I got a new watch band. I got the one with all the holes in it, the sport band. Oh, interesting. So that just breathes better, I guess? Yeah, it, okay. it does, actually. I didn't know that was that was available. Of course, I haven't really followed anything Apple Watch in quite a while because, you know, are you still on the Series Zero? Yes. Yeah, me too. And it's slow. And it's, you know. Yeah, I know. It is what it is, but I'm just like, <laughs> I feel like I know enough about Apple Watch to know that I don't think I want to go out and spend another $600 on, on getting one of the new ones. Yeah. Well, so I got I got that, and I got one more just off the wall, very interesting gift from my wife, and it's something called a. Uh, I had to look it up. A whirly board. Whirly board. Yeah. Okay. What is that? So it's 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 it looks like a skateboard, um, but it's got this ball in the center of it, and then two balls on either end of it, and it's you're supposed to be able to spin you're, it you're and like, do tricks, and it sounds like, like it's right up your alley. <laughs> you know. I gotta look this up. So. Spinning balance board with agility. So she's trying to get you to like. Uh, Oh yeah, I've seen these. Yeah, so I got one of those. I do a lot of agility training, so it's not it's not foreign to me the, the concept of bouncing. But oh the, man, I would I would be in the hospital after about fifteen minutes of trying to do these things. I'm looking at their website. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, yeah, the the surface that you play on matters. I, I found that uh, being on the rug is better than being on the wood floor because yeah. I slipped everywhere. But uh, it was fun. Yeah, yeah, interesting. I, I got it spinning a few times. Is, is this kind of a workout thing? Is that the primary purpose? No, I don't think so. I think I think there's workout applications because it's balancing and things like that. Yeah. But I think it's it's just meant to be a toy. And you see the guy, you know? the one with the guy doing push-ups on it with it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen those. I didn't know what they were called. All right. What else? What'd you get your wife? Uh, I a very expensive gift card to where she gets her hair done because getting her hair done costs an arm and a leg every time. Yep. Um, so it's always nice to give her that because she kind of feels guilty about spending that much money on her hair. So just about every year I, I consult with her hairstylist and say, okay, what am I in for this year? Yeah. <laughs> for, or, what am I in for for this next one? Uh, she, um, and she just looks at you and says, how much do you have? Well, he, but yeah, <laughs> he, okay. basically. Uh, sorry, sorry for being sexist there. <laughs> well, and, and, and he, he, he'll also consider what kind of products he wants to kind of get her to buy too. So he'll like add, tack that on there. So I end up like, with a pretty big thing. But anyways. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm sure, you know, I think it's not unusual for a, a woman to spend. Three, four hundred dollars. Yeah. Well, I was going to say a couple grand a year, I think. Oh on, yeah. On but yeah, services. per session. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. So. But yeah, I got her that. I got her some some. Uh, an, I took a chance. I don't ever buy her clothing because she's really picky. But I did end up buying her like this um, pullover with a hoodie. Yep. Um, it's it's an Aggie A and M because she's graduated from A and M. So I got her that and a flag, and then um, a couple other like just small little random things. Oh, a charger for her car because she keeps stealing my charger from my car. Yeah, that was good so, for you. <laughs> <laughs> so I waited for her to open that one, and then I then I kind of like give my charger back. 
That's funny. Well, so How about I, you? Well, I got um, some really exciting things. I got a, a vacuum food saver thing. Oh, those are cool. Yeah. You didn't I, have one before? We had one a long time ago, and it never we never took it out of the box. So how are you sous-viding? Sous-viding? Um, is, is it a verb to sous-vide? I think so. You can, <laughs> yeah, you can do that. It's fine. The, the way we do it is we just use Ziploc bags, and if you— Put it in the water. If you drop it down in the water, like the water will force it yeah. closed, and then you just zip zip the top of it. And it's vacuumed enough. It doesn't. You don't have to have a perfect vacuum for sous-vide to work. You just want the— You just don't want water to get in it. Yeah, and you and you don't want any air between yeah um, the you know whatever you're heating and and the and the bag, right? Because it'll insulate it from the heat. Exactly, yeah. it'll just cooks more slowly. Um, but I got one of those, and I and I asked for it uh, mainly because I am now buying hops in more bulk, and so I need to split down. And those things come completely vacuum sealed and in these like mylar metallic, like light blocking. Oh, packages. So you're able to just kind of reseal those? Yeah. I, I don't know if I can reseal those. I haven't tried that yet, but I, at least I need to be able to when I, when I break like a, a bag of like, you know, ten, a pound of hops down into like ounce portions. I want to be able to um, make at least air sealable bags. Mm. Light's not that big of a deal because I'll just keep it in the freezer where it's dark. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I got that. And then basically a bunch of shirts <clears throat> and socks. I got some crazy socks. You know, I'm into crazy socks. Um, yeah, for anyone who doesn't know, Jeremy has some very eclectic socks. A very, some, very interesting collection. Got some good alcohol. My sister got me a bottle of um, beer from Fremont in Seattle because she just moved to Seattle. What? Uh, Which one? The younger one? Yeah. Oh. Yep. She was in Florida, right? Yeah. yeah. She um, worked for Citrix since she graduated, finished her ma- uh, master's. And then that's been like six or seven years. And uh, she took a job with Smartsheets in Seattle. You ever used Smartsheets? I've heard of it, yeah. They're a software as a service. I think it integrates with Salesforce, too. Yeah, they kind of do like it's like a chart project yeah, management it's, stuff. I yeah, I think so. It's kind of spreadsheety. I'm not. I'm don't quite understand it. I've got clients that use it, and honestly, it looks enough like a Gantt chart that I'm just like, I hold the cross up, and you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. I got some other random stuff. I got a temperature controller for uh, it's a beer thing. I got a probably the most badass like you know those little headlamps that literally like for your head like mm-hmm. um, like one that's way off the top. It's like it's like for people who are professional like night mountain bikers or something. It's just super hardcore. Um, yeah, that's about it. My kids got um, their big thing. They got I mean a bunch of car stuff, tracks and whatever. But yeah. um, their big thing that they mm-hmm. got was well, we got a basketball goal. And a Nintendo Switch. I thought about getting the kids a Switch and decided not to. They love it. <laughs> Switch is not a perfect, it's not a perfect machine. I mean, it's got no. compromises because of that portability mm-hmm. thing. And I honestly, I wish it didn't have the portability because... My fear with the portability is I'd have to get two. Exactly. And that's my fear too. And yeah. in fact, so far the rule is we, they're not allowed to use it in portable. They're not allowed to take it out of the dock. Yeah. Because that causes problems for me. I have two boys. Mm-hmm. And I have one Switch. This is a this is a big problem because I don't want to go buy another three hundred dollars Switch. You also can't share games between the Switches. Yeah, I mean you can. Okay, you can log into your Nintendo account on the mm-hmm. new Switch, but you have to ha- you have to have logged out of the your account on the old Switch. Yeah, on, or on the other Switch. Yeah. So this is not going to work. Yeah, those are the exact reasons I decided not to because I I really thought about it, but I, the more I thought about it and the portability aspect of it, I was like, I'm going to have to buy two. Yeah. And I just can't do that. Right. 
<laughs> but it's, I mean, overall, I mean, I know it's, again, there's compromises because it is a portable thing. So it's not, it doesn't have as much, probably as much memory or raw processing power mm-hmm. as the, as like the latest Xbox One S or whatever the latest PlayStation is. Right. But it's still really nice. It's and, really nice and it's got some really good games on it. Yeah. So, so far we just have, um, I let them each pick a game to buy. And by the, and by the way, we also opted for the on the buy them online and get them digitally versus mm-hmm. go out and buy cards because the cards are you know yeah. about this no bigger than a, a a matchbook, matchbox, matchbox, or a book of matches. Book? That's a thing matchbox. too, right? Yeah. And so, of course, what's going to happen? You're going to lose them. Yeah, they're going to lose them. So we just did the online thing, and the predictable thing happened, which is on Christmas morning, you go to hook it up and connect to the store and buy a game. And it takes forever. It's it was well just error, constant errors for yeah. until about two or three in the afternoon. Then finally, we got through and we were able to. With a um, we bought uh, what was it um, Mario Odyssey. That's a good. Which idea. is just crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's so good. I mean, again, I don't. I haven't owned a game system in over ten years, so but I have had iPad, so you know it's on par with that. It, it's just really good. I mean, seems good. And then today, actually, they it was until today. What is it? Two days after Christmas, mm-hmm. when they remembered that they also got to pick another game. And Fletcher got to pick the other game, so he and he picked um, uh, Mario Kart, which is also oh, that's another one. Yeah, and that's just so much fun. So that's yeah. a, that's a great two player game. And that, that's that's one of the main reasons I want to get a Nintendo, even if I get an older one. Is just I want the, I want to have Mario Kart because that was such a fun game for me. Yeah. Um, in fact, the kids they play Rocket League, so which is it's kind of the same thing. It's soccer, but you basically have weapons and cars and try to get a ball into a goal. Yeah. It's funny they were they were very much self aware enough to realize that they should not get Zelda because it's they're not old enough for it. Mm. Like that's exactly what Graham told me. He's like, no, we're not old enough. <laughs> I'm like, you know what? You're probably right. That just would have caused a lot of frustration. Yeah. But yeah, Mario the the Mario Kart and I they yeah, just are really they played games. it for like thirty they got it like thirty minutes before I came up here so I watched them, I got to watch them play it for a little bit but uh, boy that looked that looked fun. Uh, what about the misses? She, she, you know, she, she won the award this year. So she got, um, she got a new car. <laughs> funny you ask. Okay. So I'll start in increasing coolness, I guess. I got her a new knife block for the kitchen because the old one we had, I don't know if you've ever seen these, these knife blocks that they're just full of like thousands of these long plastic things mm-hmm. that are almost like skinny noodles or whatever. It's just packed with those. And so you just can jam any knife anywhere in there. Oh yeah. I've seen those. Yeah. Okay. Well, those. Turns out, don't last a lot. We've had that one for years, but it's just it's it's so those plastic. I figured those would all, be annoying. They're all they're all worn down, and like they're all a lot of them are jammed down in there, so you can't even get a knife in anymore. Mm. It's like so I got her just it's a it's a, just a knife, nice wooden. It's a, it's I think it's made by Wustoff, which is like the German or Wustoff. I don't know how to say it. The German knife maker. Well, they make mm-hmm. great knives, and but um, yeah, it worked. I mean, all of our knives fit in there really well and everything, so looks much better. Uh, got her some jewelry, uh, mainly the stuff that she had. I asked her to like pick some stuff out because. I, I give up. I just <laughs> well, I mean, if you can spend money on jewelry, it's better that it's something they want and they'll actually yeah, wear exactly. than something they kind of smile and go, "Oh, this is pretty," right. and then just never wear yep. it. And she's got so much of she's got so much jewelry that I w- I don't even know if I would notice if she didn't wear it or whatever. I, I it's it's hard for me to measure what things are work and what which ones don't work. And my wife may, maybe wears like three pieces of jewelry, the same pieces over and over, and the rest of it is in the safe. Yeah, I mean, it's just yeah. And that's how often she goes and looks for that kind of stuff. Because yep. like it's in the safe. Yep, that's like the attic of jewelry. Yeah, it's just like yeah, you probably don't need it. Yeah, <laughs> if it's in the attic, you probably don't need it. <laughs> uh, and she got an iPhone 10. 
Oh yeah, yeah. That, that's a that's a definitely a luxury item right now. But I want actually I got a quick story to tell about that. Um, I, I I kind of Googled like okay what's the, what's the latest and greatest way when you get a new iPhone to, to switch to it? And it. Turns out it's the same thing that un, has always been, which is you pop your old SIM out and put it in the new phone. Mm-hmm. Well, let me let me back up. You actually do you do a full backup to iTunes to your local iTunes mm-hmm. with that encrypt backup checked, right? Because that if you do that, then it'll save a lot of your passwords and stuff in in the backup itself. Uh, and then you, you know, turn that phone off, pop the SIM out, put the SIM in your new phone, and then you plug your new fa- phone into iTunes and you restore your backup onto that new phone. Hmm. So that's that's the way to do it. And that works, but um, on the restore process, I like right when it would start, it would say, oh, this backup is corrupt or is incompatible with this phone when I would try to restore. Hmm. And so I Googled around and a bunch of different websites, got, pretty much all had the same thing. I think they were one of those, you know, it's, one of the one of the sites was the original content, and all the other ones were just uh, copying their content. One of those things, but they said that you know what you should do actually is just go in and delete all all of your existing backups in iTunes because when when you do a backup with iTunes, it actually does kind of like a patch backup. So if you've got an existing backup, it just keeps patching onto that one. So if it got corrupted somehow, it's just going to keep piling on top of it. Exactly. So I deleted all those, ran a full backup, tried again, same exact error message, and so I looked at. Sarah's old phone, and I thought, well, maybe, you know, I was make sure she was on the latest iOS. And she was on the latest iOS. I'm like, well, what? Because I got a brand new phone I'm going to. Her old phone's on the latest iOS. What could be not be compatible? I thought, I'm going to get the new phone. Fingerprint? No, the new phone was like one dot version. Oh, so you had behind. to update the new so phone. I updated the new phone, and then the backup would restore. Uh. I thought to myself, you know, they've got this whole backup and restore into a new phone thing. I mean, totally whipped. That works so well. I can't believe how well that works. And it, it, I'm sure the engineers that work on that part of it, I'm sure they're so frustrated by the, by the experience that I had. All the thing had to say was, hey, your, your, your backup iOS version doesn't match your phone that you're restoring onto. It's iOS version. Why couldn't have it said that? Yeah, really? It said the backup was corrupt. So I'm thinking, you know, I got a corrupt backup. What do I, you know, re, re-back up and just keep trying? Well, or I think in all fairness, well... I guess they'd have to build in a like a version check, but maybe there was enough difference in the oh see that shouldn't be breaking change. I, I, my thought is that it didn't recognize the encryption at all. Like there's something about the encryption right between versions that it just didn't recognize, and it wasn't able to even read any data at all. I mean, it did say the thing that eventually led me to it because the first thing it listed was it's probably corrupt, and the second thing it said was, or it's not compatible with this phone, mm. and then that's when later I started thinking versions, and that's why I looked at her old phone because I assumed oh she's not updating it. Maybe some too old of a version for a, for a new phone, mm-hmm. but which sucks because sometimes you can't upgrade to a right. new OS. But that wasn't enough. it. It was that it was that her old phone was on a newer version of iOS than the new phone was from the factory. Anyway, but after I'd figured that out and got it all done, it was fine. Um, and the other thing is, and this isn't really a Christmas thing, but she is going to get a new car in the next day or two, I think. Wow. Yep. So yeah, I was. Uh, Mr. Ross making it rain. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> well, to be fair, she's she's making it rain too. So if 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 not, then she can I be your wife now? <laughs> <laughs> you do make it rain, so I don't make it rain. Not like you made it rain for Sarah. Well, <laughs> again, she she. I have to give her a lot of credit for that. She she earned it. That's awesome. Anyway, that sounds like everyone had a had a great time. Yeah, it was good. And sorry, the, the sorry, party was great. Sorry, I missed your party. Yeah. I know you're going to hit me on that one. Yeah. 
That party was awesome. I, I, you missed, I you missed really some amazing asleep. food. I mean, you would have, you just would have been in heaven with this food, man. It was, I, yeah, oh God, it was so good. Well, I remember your prime rib last time, and it was it was really good. Twenty two pound USDA prime rib roast. Yeah. I did make some good steaks, but um, I was exhausted. I was exhausted. I realized the reason I, I told you that we kind of had a after Christmas hangover, but it wasn't alcohol. It was sugar. My wife and I just were consuming a ton of sugar. And now that I think about it, I think that's why. Because Sunday night, we were both up late doing stuff. And even um, Saturday night, we were up late trying to get everything kind of prepped, like to make sure all the, the last minute presents were wrapped and all that kind of stuff. And then Sunday night was, of course, getting everything put together yeah. and set up and all that kind of stuff. And, um, yeah. Oh, I did. I, there was one thing I did get, forget. I, I got a bunch of a uh, cake. Well, it's, it's cake decorating stuff, but I don't use it for cakes. I use it for pancakes. Hmm. So I got, you got, I got cake decorating I got stuff? cutters and I got, um, tips and bags and, uh, yeah. Interesting. So what do you, uh, well, when you, my you daughter, make some artisanal when, pancakes? Now? I do. When my daughter was little, I started, <laughs> Messing around with pancakes because my mom used to make these little Mickey Mouse pancakes. She and it's easy. You just you just put a dollop of a dollop. You just make a circle and then you add two circles and you make a Mickey Mouse pancake. And I thought it was the greatest thing ever. And I started doing that for my daughter when she was really little. Um, but then then I had to cut it up and it kind of lost its shape. So then I started getting really crazy. So I start I take the pancakes, I make them, and then I start cutting them up. I pre-cut them and then I form them into shapes pre-cut. So that way, when she's I don't have to cut it when she's eating it. She just eats it. And so I've got like all these really elaborate things that I've done. And my most latest was I started adding food coloring and I started making all these different colored. So I think I made like zombie, like I made a zombie with a brain and everything for my yes. son and, and like a Hello Kitty zombie for my daughter. <laughs> it wow. came out really good. Um, and so I, I, I just like started progressing from there and, you know, decorating them and all that kind of stuff. And so they got me a bunch of stuff to continue that trend, I guess. Hmm. That's cool. That's uh, scoring some good dad points there, too. Make, I've never made artisanal pancakes for my kids. <laughs> I'm, I've gotten really proud of them. I mean, I've gotten to the point where, I mean, I, like I even like, I made little snowmen. I got the powdered sugar out and made them all white. And then, oh my gosh. I mean, you have just, photos? I mean, if you don't have photos, it didn't happen. If, John, I, if you didn't post it on social media, it did not happen. I'll post, I do have photos of the uh, zombie ones I made. I'll, I'll post those. I expect to see this on Facebook in the next 24 hours. I'm not going to put it on Facebook. I'll put it on Slack. <laughs> That's not social media. That's team collaboration. I don't like social media. All right. Well, this is the, this will be our last show of the year, obviously. It's, it's December 27th right now. Okay, so our I don't last think we, show of the year we, and we our are, last show we, ever, just Mr. Ross. Our last show ever, huh? Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, we don't do a good job of introducing shows because that's not, that's not really our format, I guess. But yeah, this is uh, two days post-Christmas and last show of the year. So uh, I do have a one news thing that did, did we talk about Apple's this new factory in Sherman? I can't remember if I had this conversation with you or someone else. Um, I remember us talking about them bringing some kidding <laughs> here. That was, I believe, Austin. Was it okay? Um, I don't know. Uh, at the at the risk of us having discussed this already, I'll mention it again. I call it kidding because I saw assembly. It but um, no, there's a, and, and it's funny on one of my trips back from. Oklahoma breweries, we we passed by it. It's on 75, um, just like around Sherman, like around mm-hmm. when you get into kind of pass into Texas. And there's this huge, it even looks like an electronics factory. Like mm. a, almost like a campus. It's just giant. Where? But it's closed. It's cl- right off of 75. And oh, like and somewhere 75. near Sherman. Okay. And I, I saw the 
you know, it's closed down, but I, and I, I remember I, I saw the name still like on the sign. And so I looked the company up and sure enough, they were, I can't remember what, even what company it was now, but they, I think they went out of business. <clears throat> and so that, that building's just been empty for, I think seven years. <clears throat> and, and Apple didn't really buy it, but they're basically, you know, they, Apple has like this $1 billion fund that they, that they set up and they use for, um, I, I think investing in companies that are important suppliers to them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they're, they're, you know, pouring $390 million into this company that makes, they help make the AirPods and Face ID. Um, it's called Finisar, I think. Finisar. They're a chip maker. Uh, they make these, well, they make something called V-cells. V mm-hmm. Vertical cavity surface-emitting lasers. So, that, I think that's what they use for the face ID stuff. What's the maybe part of the dot projection or the yeah. IR or whatever something? Mm-hmm. I think that's I think that maybe that's what that is. That makes sense. I mean, I I think Apple in the next year or so is definitely going to put a lot more effort into making their own chips and making their own going back to producing the entire landscape of hardware. Yeah, I mean, I think that's for a lot of reasons. I think one because they can innovate, and two, it it their secrets are less are not going to get out there. I mean, because it's getting harder to compete with Samsung. I mean, Samsung's right breathing down their neck. I mean, if not overtaking them in a lot of areas. And so a lot of that has to do with the ecosystem. They're sharing a lot of the same parts. I mean, it they're is, having I to know. go to Samsung for screens and all that kind of stuff. I, I do worry about that a little bit. I mean, there, there's some benefit to some vertical integration, but too much. And the problem is, is, you know, you have to eat your own dog food, even if it sucks. Yeah. Um, and, and all these units that are vertically integrated that you own, I mean, they, they have one customer. Mm-hmm. It's just not, it's not, it's, it's kind of, uh, I don't want to say anti-free market. It's just, it's, it's a non-free market. It's, you have to buy from this supplier and that supplier has to only sell to you. And it's like whatever cost they tell you it is. And, uh, you know, I'm just, you're not competing. You're not going out to the marketplace to have the marketplace compete for your business. Yeah, that's true. And so, I, I mean, I it's, mean, it's a balance of those it, things. It is. So but it would be nice if they, uh, if they did take that in-house and they brought it here to the States. I think they're trying to. I mean, and the you know with this tax situation, they're you know, I think the idea is to help these companies bring some of this stuff back. It have the capital here to do so. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it's it's a seven hundred seven hundred thousand square foot facility. It's just huge, and it looks high tech. Like, like I said, I mean, it just looks like a big tech manufacturer. They can have segways so they can get from department to department. I'm sure they will. <laughs> Man, I, so there's a there's a video. Actually, they won't. They'll just have robots. Like Amazon does. They might have a lot of robots, yeah. I, just random uh, segue. I, I saw segue of a segue. I saw this video. I think it was on Facebook or something, but this this uh, fairly large man that had gotten one of these, you know, remember those scooters that were all the rage a few years ago that you stand on and like you just kind of lean forward and they go, they, they're not segues. segways. No, no, they're not segways. It's just, it's just a foot platform you step onto. The Segway is the huge tires oh. and like the handlebars and everything. Yeah, this has no handlebars, These are things right? the kids use. Yeah, yeah I forgot they were called. Yeah, there's a name for those. They're like hoverboards, I think they were calling uh, them. Yeah, but they're no hover. They're but they're just, not hover, yeah. but they're, they're calling them hoverboards. Yeah. yeah. So there's apparently a new version of that. It's a new form factor that you sit on. So it's got look like foot pedals and you just sit on the you sit on the platform and you put your feet up in these, in these like pedals. Like a stool? Yeah. Yeah, except your feet are out in front of you, like the way you'd sit in a go-kart or something. Huh. And and there's a handle on the side that you I guess you're controlling like whether it's engaged or the power and so this this big guy, large man. First of all, he can barely get his legs up into this thing, and in, into the he sits on it and then he's trying to get his legs like into the into the onto the where you like 
it kind of almost like stirrups or whatever that mm-hmm. you, where you just rest your feet. He finally gets in there and then he's like, he's jacking with this this lever trying to get it to engage and he clearly doesn't know how to work. But finally it engages and it just shoots off and slams him into their into deck there. They have a um, sliding glass door and I thought he was going to go through, but he bounced off of it and then the thing shot into reverse automatically and rammed him into the Christmas tree. <laughs> and he ends up falling off the back of it. And this is like a, this is like probably a, you know, like a 250 plus pound man. Wow. Yeah, it was, it was quite funny. Well, the, and that, it, well, that just shows how strong that thing was. And I he mean, also, like, when he, I mean, it, it flipped him off, and he, like, didn't end up doing, like, a backflip off the back of it into the tree. And what makes the video also funny is that, like, he's, he's obviously, it's more funny to him than he is hurt because he's, like, dying of laughter. He's like, you know. Okay. <laughs> yeah, well, that makes so, me feel better about laughing. I, mean, exactly. I was kind of holding it back no. going, oh, I shouldn't be laughing at this. <laughs> As long as he's laughing, I can laugh. And whoever was taking the video was, you know, it's one of those things where you can't even breathe. You're laughing so hard. <laughs> uh, you should start with with he was laughing because then that gives me permission to laugh too. I don't want to be laughing at him. I want to laugh with him. Right. <laughs> but yeah, there's not. It's a, it's a slow week, so I don't really have any other news. But well, we have a few news things. Oh, do we? Okay. Yeah. Um, right. Let's do some news then. John Zizimo. Oh, pronounce his name, but apparently he's leaving Salesforce. He he, I I should know who he was, but I don't. But he was chief design officer at Salesforce, and I think he did a, like all a lot of the marketing stuff, like videos and you know, I guess all the login screens and all that kind of stuff. I guess is he, he marketing or is he is it product design? It's chief of design, and and it from I think that's more product than it is actual no, marketing. I mean, from his blog, I mean, he he would talk about the videos they would make. He would talk about like some of the design elements that they had in, in the tower because um, they had like this huge huge mural thing that I think he had a hand in helping design and yeah. a lot of the videos and like some like the customer experience events and how those are laid out and the marketing around that. So I, I guess. I don't really know what a chief design officer yeah, is. So, some more high-profile departures. And, you know, I feel like these come in waves because every once in a while I think to myself, man, there's kind of a, an exodus at, at Salesforce. But Well, I'm wondering about that. I mean... I don't, I don't I, know that there is. I mean, you know, Salesforce has, what, 25,000 employees? Well, it seems like when they, like they hit I mean, this people milestone... Are, people are going to quit and get fired and stuff. But, so. I mean, it seems like they, they had a surge of, of these people... Leading up to building out Lightning, and now that it's kind of established and the towers built, and like all these kind of really big major milestones are kind of there, and now it's kind of just advancing and building on top of that. Seems like a lot of these people who are really instrumental and very creative minded are kind of moving on to other things at this point. Like maybe they see like we're headed for maintenance mode here. Uh, they're not ready for maintenance mode. I can tell you that. Well, I'm just I hope, saying. I hope they're not. I hope they're not. Like maybe it's just not fun anymore. That's, <laughs> and that's what you worry about. Is there is there a brain drain happening? I remember this yeah. happened in engineering. There, there's a point in which I mean. Just some really, some really smart engineers, like one after another, was leaving Salesforce. And the first thought is, well, why? You know, well, number one, like why? You know, this is this up and coming, just you know, phenomenal, amazing growth. And you know, beat and raise and beat and raise and beat and raise. And they're you know they're they're reaching out to their shareholders every quarter and asking for a half a million or half a billion dollars to for stock options for all these employees. I mean, why would you leave? It's time to cash in. <laughs> well, but if you can't, if you leave, then you know, you're probably not going to invest as much, right? Or you know, I don't know. I mean, but anyway, so you can leave without losing your stock. So it's like, okay, Salesforce is clearly a a company that's heading nothing but upwards. What what are you jumping ship to that looks better to you? And 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 what is happening at Salesforce that makes you want to leave this company that looks like it has nowhere to go but up? 
That's that's what is a little concerning. Well, let me read his tweet just okay. just so that it's well. They're not, and by the way, none of these people are ever going to reveal any of the <laughs> any anything juicy. Well, let's let's start with this. Okay, I made this. This is his words. I made the heartbreaking decision to leave Salesforce at at and start a new journey in 2018. It's my last day in the office. This was December 21st. And I want to thank everyone in, in the at Salesforce ecosystem. I have loved being a part of this great company. Thank you, Benioff, for being an amazing boss and mentor. I love that he didn't say Ohana in there. However, Benioff replied and said, John, thank you for all that you have done as part of the Ohana. And you're welcome back anytime. Yeah. So that's, you know, all professional, you know, yeah. very sanitized, whitewashed. Well, uh-huh. Benioff said he can come back anytime. So obviously, he, if this is right. his choice. He's he's got some some things he wants to do. And but anyway, I think you have to. Be, I mean, I, from the outside, you can't. I can't really tell because I, all I see is anecdotes of oh, you know, whatever either hits the news or just people um, that I follow on Twitter that I just know are smart people that are leaving Salesforce. And obviously, that's that's just that's just anecdotes. It's yeah. not. I mean, when you have, you know, if they had a dozen employees, it'd be one thing. If a couple leave, that's a big deal. But when they have 25,000 employees, it's, I, I don't have the numbers to know whether they've got some problem there. I, I don't really see it as a problem. I just think, well, I think one, a lot of these people have been around for, for a long time. It's not like they were there for a year and said, oh, screw this. This is not what I thought it was. I yeah, mean, they've been yeah. there for a long time. And I, I just think that we've seen it before that they'll go off to start something or work with something new. And, you know, sometimes, sometimes the board comes back around for them. I think there's, you know, I don't know. People are always going to get bored or just need something new or new challenges. That's that's pretty normal. Or, or you get to to a point where, you know, you don't see you don't see where the the next step in the, your career ladder is there at Salesforce just based yeah. on who's there right now. Yeah. You know, if you look at some of the higher higher level people that have that have left in the past month or so, and they might have been looking you up, going, "This guy above me is like never going to quit. He's not going to get fired." So. I'm going to move on. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, you just have to kind of assess that sometimes when, you, when you're looking for it. You'd like to stay, but you're looking for something different and mm-hmm. it's just not going to happen at the current company. You know, so that kind of stuff happens. Yeah. The other thing I think Salesforce faces is you know, they've become this just big enterprise company and a lot of people that worked there, they didn't go there. and They didn't, they didn't go to work for a giant enterprise company. They went to work for an interesting startup that changed how people use software. Mm-hmm. And that's not what Salesforce is anymore. And and they may not. It's not they don't like what it's become, but it's just it's not. That's not their vibe. That's not their that their you know their yeah. The I mean, thing they're so, interested some in. some people are very in tune with a certain type of environment, and once that environment, I mean, I'm one of those people. I mean, I I you know when I when I started at one of these big enterprises, I enjoyed the challenge of nothing was set up, and I had to figure things out, and I had to get things set up, and there was there was a certain amount of accomplishment and, and enjoyment in that. And then we got to the point where things were kind of going pretty well. The wheels were turning. Everyone knew their what they had to do. The release cycles were, were set in place and everything. And I was kind of getting bored. Yeah. Um, and so I wanted some new challenges. And you got, you know, things like nowadays, you know, Benioff uh, posting, you know, passive aggressive posts to, to their internal chatter about people drinking, you know, having alcohol in the office. <laughs> That's what did it. I know, I'm, I'm telling you. I think for how, a lot fun, of, how fun could their Christmas party be if they weren't allowed to have little little keggy here? I think for a there. lot of people, that could have been the straw that broke, that broke the back. You know, it's like, okay, this is, you know, it's been getting bad. It's been getting bureaucratic. But when, when this happens, it's like, okay, now it's, it's time to move on. Um, and then there's, what was, there was one other thing I was thinking. Um, I don't know. Just reasons people might might want to move on. 
I don't know. It all seemed to happen after that memo about the keg. So um, it kind of did. Thinking, I'm thinking that did him in. <laughs> I know. No kegs. I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. More yeah. news. Um. No, we have we have some topics that we skipped over last week that I thought we'd get into. If you don't mind. Well, let's get them because at some point are we going to do a? Um, I assume we would do a either a look back at the year or a predictions for the year. Something like that. Okay. Typical end of year stuff. I don't know if you have anything prepared for that. I wrote out a couple of things, but. You didn't tell me to prepare for that. Well, do I have to? We're a podcast and it's the end of the year. Okay. Isn't that what you do? I guess. Does anyone care that we do that? It's like, this is a spousal <laughs> argument. It's like, I shouldn't have had to tell you to do it. You should have known. Should have read my mind. <laughs> now I got to go out and buy you jewelry and some flowers. Yeah. <laughs> or I'm on the couch. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, right. I was on the couch last night. That's because probably because of digestion issues from over imbibing on sweets. No, my son fell. My I kind of was lounging, and my son fell asleep in the bed, and so I was like, "Ask her it. I'll just sleep in the living room." <laughs> uh, last week, I had said that you would change the way I programmed, and I thought we'd circle back to that. Oh yeah, but it's not that I changed it because I thought what I was doing was wrong. I just uh, think, you want to backpedal this now. You don't, don't do want to give me too much credit. <laughs> no, I don't want to give you too much credit. I, I thought about it some more. I was like, no, I wasn't totally wrong. He, he was still partly wrong. It was still kind of his fault if he had just you know, you know. <laughs> no. But it, it was it was about the conversation we were having about. Um, I call it defensive programming, but what it really is is I'm checking for null everywhere. And I think where that came from is kind of a need to kind of let, allow my code to kind of gracefully handle issues. You know, if it received a null value, then I wanted to kind of gracefully go, okay, well, that's the same as a blank or that's the same as not receiving anything at all. So I'll just return null or return or just do nothing. Um, and I think in environments where I fully control the code, I fully control the logging, I have full control of the environment that might be okay. And that actually might help me kind of circumvent, you know, emergency situations where the system's just completely broken because it's hitting some null error yeah. and nobody can can break out of it. Um, which was kind of going back to some of my experience in history with, with things like VB, where an error was kind of a catastrophic thing. It really crashed the program. On error, resume next. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, I mean, the, you know, when you when you go back and you don't have a lot of these frameworks or things like that that kind of help handle some of that kind of stuff for you and you're you're kind of left to learning some of these hard lessons and you have a program that's just completely crashing and no one can use it and you're mad dashing trying to fix it because nobody can do anything um that changes you it, it, yeah <laughs> it colors it colors your perspective on how you're going to code and how you're going to prevent some of those things mm -hmm. and i think i got into the habit of just checking for nulls everywhere because that was a big problem for me um mainly because i didn't always have control over the data and I didn't always have the right foresight to know how to control the inputs of users or how to abstract my code from what the user was inputting and somehow transform that in a way that would not my break. Code. Even the VB days, it was my code, huh? It was my code, man. <laughs> Still my code. It comes from my brain. It's my code. Uh, okay. <clears throat> Don't own me. No, you, you see, you, your background is a, as a sole developer. You've been, you've been the, the dude. Yeah. Your whole life. Yeah. You've been the dude. Yeah, so that's why it is your code. Whereas like, I think people who come from a background of they just always worked on teams, mm -hmm. you don't have that sense of ownership. And, you know. Yeah, that's a, that's a good, 
I never thought of it that way, but yeah, that's very much true. I mean, I, I did work on smaller teams where it was maybe one or two people, but even then we kind of broke things up. We had our silos and, you know, if something broke and it was in my, my silo, I fixed it. And if it yeah. was in their silo, they fixed it. Mm. You know, there was, there was really no, oh, let me look at that. I mean, there were, there was like, Hey, can you look at this? I'm having an issue, Yeah, <clears throat> but it was still, I, I had responsibility for that code. It was mine and I would get in trouble for it. Right. <laughs> So, right. D- didn't mean to re- derail your story, but no. But I mean that—that's—that's that's pretty much kind of my background and why I think I do some of the things I do. Um, but as I was programming this application, I realized that in doing so, I'm swallowing a lot of issues that need to be addressed. Um, and so I start. I did start to throw more errors. I did start to, especially in my private methods, where I was kind of overcompensating and checking for nulls there and, and trying to validate my inputs like two or three times, I stopped doing that. Um, I found my methods to get smaller. Um, it took me a while, but I started to get more comfortable with it. It was it was really kind of a mental thing too. I was kind of looking at my code feeling nervous about it. Right. Um, but the more I just kind of let it be and, and watch those errors bubble up when I was writing one my how to execute a unit test, um, I felt okay about it. Yeah. You know, I got the proper stack tracing and everything, and I wasn't swallowing errors. So, you know, when things weren't at looking right in my test, like, why is this not looking right? You know, I didn't have that issue because uh, it was throwing an error. Mm-hmm. Um, so it basically stopped my test, and I could go and look and fix it. Um, so, I don't know. It's just something I, I discovered and learned about myself that I was doing and probably heading down a wrong path. And and, uh, and since you do a lot of Apex development, I mean, that that's... That's kind of tough because Apex is still so far behind. I mean, in, in any other languages now, especially the static languages as, as Apex is, um, there are things nowadays. There are um, that you can identify uh, like on methods and things like what's, what's the contract for the parameters? Can this, can this parameter be null? Is it mm-hmm. nullable? And I don't know what's called .eb in Java. It's like there's, um, there's like nullable. Or- well, most types, it, it's, at least in from the C-sharp world, are not nullable. Um, you have to use a special keyword to, to enable them to, to enable, be nullable. Yeah. And so that's great because people that do user APIs, whether it's announced, whether it's something that is out of your control, not your code, mm-hmm. or whether it is your code, um, if they try to call one of your APIs and, and, and they're passing something that, might, that is null or might be null, the compiler will stop them right there and say, nope, you can't do that. Yeah. You cannot do that. This might be null. You, we didn't see where you initialized this. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's also things like optionals, which I th- I'm sure are, are, are exist in the .NET world as well as you know, Java and other places. And that's just the idea that any, anything that could be null, like it might be valid to be null, you get an optional instead. And you can there's mm-hmm. some interesting kind of idiomatic programming constructs around working with optionals that that don't obscure the code. I mean, it's just a better programming model. Whereas the whole checking checking for nulls all over the place is, is a bad programming model. And sometimes you have to again if you're if your language if you don't have good language support for dealing with nulls, then yeah, you're just checking every. I mean, luckily we have exceptions, which at least you can, um, you know, you don't have to check like every other line to see if you got something returned or whatever. You can put, you know, a catch block down there, and, mm-hmm. and um, you know, control gets control control gets you know moved to your to your catch block if something bad happens. But, but yeah, I mean, what you can do is is that at your Kind of your your boundaries of of layers, I would say in your app. You know, do your checking there. Really, it's really it's on your API your, that gets exposed to to users. I mean, always validate those inputs. But once it's inside, you know, your code, <laughs> um, you can really. I mean, you shouldn't you shouldn't have to check for nulls. I mean, some exceptions might be if if 
inside your code, you're calling other APIs that might return null or do something nasty. You might have to check those. Mm-hmm. But but you know, a lot of times, um, I see I see code that you know it's, it does it's got null checks everywhere, and everywhere it does a null check. It if you know it'll say if if a equals null, then throw new um, like null pointer exception or whatever. What's it called? An apex is it null pointer exception? Null pointer reference? I think so. Um, null reference or something. Yeah. I think. Yeah, and that's usually kind of a uh, not a, a good practice either because if if that's all you're doing is checking for null and then throwing null, you should actually just take all that out because it's going to hit at some point. A it's, usually it's going to hit. You're gonna you're gonna do something with that value mm-hmm. that's going to result in a null pointer exception, and as long as you're not catching that, you actually should let that bubble up at that point because it's it generally. I mean, it's, it's come it's come from outside of you know the Kind of the 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 layer that that you're working in, and so it just should let it bubble up. That shouldn't check for those everywhere. I mean, there's exceptions, but yeah, I, I actually kind of progressed in that direction. I I decided to let errors happen, so I started. I I would keep my check for null code, and I would throw an error. And then I was like, oh, is this going to throw it anyways? If it if it is null, it's going to throw it anyways. So why why waste the execution statement on checking and then throwing an error? Yeah, I mean, good, you know, good exception handling. Is gets you ninety five percent of the way to solving this null exception problem, nulls, you know, null val- null references, and also a host of other problems. Like just, and this this is a problem that you know, I think even even people who have been programmers for a long time tend to. I see some not great exception handling code. They're just doing things that like eh, you don't have to do that. They're either writing too much exception handling, or they're, you know, you see um, it literally every step in the call stack is doing its own. Catching of exceptions and just re- and just best case rethrowing them. I progressed, worst, I worst progressed case, that way too. Worst case, not rethrowing them. <laughs> I think I feel I feel like I went through the entire spectrum in like one week. I I said okay, I'm doing too much null checking. I'm gonna try this. I'm gonna try to stop doing this. I'm gonna start throwing errors instead of letting them gracefully fail. Um, so I started throwing errors, and then I was like, no, nah, I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna let the error happen. So then I thought, okay, well. If I call this and it does throw an error, let me catch that. And I was like, no, I don't need to catch it here. I'm still kind of in my world. I'm not at the at the public interface yet. Yep. So I started pushing all my 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 exception handling all the way up, and it ended up in just a single class, which was the, the REST service that gets yeah. called that consumes all all this stuff. And so that's the only place where my try catch is. Yeah, I mean, if your catch block is doing nothing but rethrowing or logging and rethrowing, it probably shouldn't be catching. Yeah. Um I had scenarios where that where it's like that. It was logging and rethrowing and I was like, ah, oh, this is this is silly. It's it's just yeah, and just it's not adding any value and it's just, no. and it's just adding no it's adding noise is the problem. It, it was, yeah. yeah. Where I do think it's okay to, you know, do nothing but log and rethrow is that your again that kind of the boundaries of your layers. So maybe at the ba- at the at the entry layer to your to your data layer, at the entry layer to your service layer, or at the entry point to your service layer, mm-hmm. the entry points into your REST API. Yeah, um, you can you can log and rethrow there, and in a lot of cases, it makes sense to when you so obviously you want to log, but then when you rethrow to actually wrap that exception in a more abstraction appropriate exception, and well, then and but also of course keep keep that inner exception like the the caused by or whatever so that. People can ultimately see what was the where did that exception orig, you know originate originally, um, but yeah, to throw in it's it's annoying when like you call someone's REST API mm-hmm. and you get like a null pointer exception from way down like six layers down in like their security or their data layer or something. It's like you know com dot company dot data dot security dot 
blah, 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 dot, blah, 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 dot, you know, no pointer exception or something. It's like, well, that doesn't help me because I don't have access to any of that code in there. It should They should have wrapped that into like a, something that's appropriate for the for the layer that I called into it, that, mm-hmm. that it, you know don't yeah it should be an abstraction that's on the same par with that API not six APIs down in the call stack and that's kind of if that's a good explanation or not but this is very hard you know designing APIs is extremely hard I mean even the the, the smartest people and I, I actually love hearing their kind of their retrospectives, whether it's in books or talks or whatever, mm-hmm. on APIs. And there's just famous, I mean, they're in, you know, there's ones in .NET and Java and whatever. I mean, all these things they got wrong. I mean, some of these guys who are, I think, widely accepted to be some of the smartest API designers, they got all this stuff wrong. Of course, it was earlier stuff in their career, but still, they were still very smart at the time, and they just get stuff wrong. It's, it's interesting. Um, you know, famous things are like the Java date class. And what else is bad? The HTTP. Uh, class in Java. Hmm. There's a bunch of stuff. A lot of it's been completely replaced now. There's new, like the Java.time and uh, whatever. The original, what was it? Uh, vector in Java, which was kind of like a list. Predate, predated the collections API. Hmm. But, and it's just interesting because I've seen kind of breakdowns. These guys break down their own work on like all the things they got wrong. It's hard to get it right. It but, it, but part but of it's API, nice to have, it's It's nice to be able to afford the ability to kind of look back and, and mature that code. I, I think I think one of my problems with with the type of work that I do is I don't get that opportunity to mature code. I, I, and that was one of the reasons I wanted to go work for a company because I, I felt like I could get the opportunity to mature code. Whereas in the consulting world, it's a fire and forget a lot of times. I mean, unless you get in good with a client who you know calls you back and you're kind of partnered with them to build something out, you know, a lot of times it's it's a quick trigger and you're in and out. You don't yeah. get a chance to, to, to look back or, or you know, add wisdom to that code. That's one of the sad things about being in the consulting or contracting business is so often you feel like the things aren't aligned properly. Yeah. <laughs> Either the customer doesn't understand the value of any of these things or the consultancy, you know, it's uh, the, the less time you spend on it, the more money they make. So just incentives are not properly aligned for, for to result in quality code. Yeah. But you know, you got guys like us fighting in the trenches to do what we can. Yeah. There's a lot of people that do that. That's good. Makes the world a little bit of a better place. Well, you know what's making the world a better place? Segway. <laughs> Illuminate Cloud 2. Okay. Really want to get into that. Oh, good. Because I haven't even installed it yet. So What? No, I've been... Mr. Ross. Well, I'm missing out. Other than having to do some deployments because everyone wants to, everyone wants to do big deployments during this week because people... Oh, because you don't have working. a family. Exactly. You're not a person. Nope. You're just a robot. Yep. Oh, no, actually, you're an antisocial, um, pimply-faced, fat nerd <laughs> oh, yeah, living in their grandmother's I mean. basement right. in front of a keyboard. And if it wasn't deploying, you'd be playing Warcraft. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Or in Nintendo Switch. <laughs> <laughs> Please, a real nerd wouldn't be got dead playing Nintendo That's Switch. That's true. <laughs> yeah. It's PC gaming all the way. Right. With a... <laughs> GPU this big and massive <laughs> like water, 10 GPUs water coolers, water it, yeah. coolers uh, <laughs> yeah alright so tell me about IC2 uh, it's a thing it exists it is I know but I'm assuming you've got some <laughs> biting insight here for us well no biting insight other than that I installed it I used the hell out of the refactoring I, I you know what refactoring is such a, a, a blessing and I'll tell you because I'm less stressed about naming things now um 
I don't feel bad about naming something and then renaming it because I can easily do it. So I haven't used this. I haven't used it yet. But here's my hunch is that IC2 is able to do things like, oh, you know, like uh, rename methods and, mm-hmm. and things like that, right? Right. But when it comes to, um, you know, renaming classes and things like that and how <laughs> you can, you can, it's fine and dandy like to, to do all these refactorings on your local file system. Mm-hmm. But somehow you have to replay this story of changes to the Salesforce metadata API or the tooling API. Yeah. Where where I think this might have some issues, and I'm not sure because I'm not I'm not doing this right now, is is if if you're if you're committing to your Git repository before you commit to Salesforce. So if like you're one of those that detaches from the build into Salesforce, you don't compile in Salesforce, you save and you git and then you compile later. This might have an issue because the way it solves the renaming a class is it's essentially a new class delete. So you re, you rename when you rename a class, it goes out and finds all the dependencies and renames that and saves those dependencies. But the class itself is a delete and save, and, and it and it does that real time. It, it's doing that to your org. Right? Yeah. When you okay, right. and and that's great. That's fine and dandy for the org that you happen to be working in, whether it be a sandbox or a developer instance or something, mm-hmm. right? Well, that's got to be then. That's got that whole thing's got to be replayed to whenever this gets deployed to some build sandbox or QA or production. Well, that's where what's, what's remembering that's, all that. That's what's, where a full deployment has to come in. You'll, the the way the org will no, see it as a it, as a class that doesn't exist. So that's a delete and a new class, a net new class getting created. Yeah, the problem is there's been some real uh, uh, regressions with the metadata API on on deletes. It's actually gotten, I mean, I've been dealing with much pain on a deployment that's got quite a bit of deletes in it, in addition mm-hmm. to new and modified stuff. I'm just not able to do them. I ha- I'm having to split the build up into multiple builds, uh, multiple deployments where I'm adding new stuff. And it's unfortunate because it, it's in a, it's basically, it's in not good state. Mm-hmm. I mean, until everything's done deploying. Yeah. Well, I think, I think. It just, it can't handle. It doesn't understand. I mean, yeah, even, I mean, even, and it's, it's a, I think it's a different bug than the one where, if you again, if like a, if you delete a controller property and you mm-hmm. and you delete it from the Visual Force page too, and then you deploy them both at the same time, the deployment fails. Yeah. Well, I you know I think I think with most things, I mean this is this is a new world. This is a Salesforce world, so we're having to figure out how to do some of these things in the Salesforce world, and so it's gonna ha- it's gonna come with compromises. And I think I don't want to get rid of the ability to refactor because there's some bug or something somewhere. Um, I think if we're going to use it responsibly, you know. You're not going to be able to just go in and start refactoring the hell out of something no, I like think, I did. Again, I but. think what I see is solving is is your local code and and the sandbox you happen to be hooked up to at the time. Yeah, and right now for me, refactoring is a bit trivial because I haven't pushed this anywhere yet. It's still in my environment, so renaming all my classes, which I did end up doing, um, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> but rena- it was actually another thing I got from you, I think. Um, but renaming all my classes. It was it was painful. It was still painful. There was still some cross reference dependencies where there was issues. Like even though it renamed and deleted the class, I still had other classes that were in an invalid state that I had to go in and individually save and correct because they were at the time that that delete save was happening. There was a dependence cross dependency and it wouldn't let it happen. So it wasn't like it was perfect, but it was good enough that you know. And and really, renaming a class should be a rare thing. I would hope, but. Um, I, I did I did use the hell out of it. I used the hell out of it for variables and for class names and for method names particularly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I 
I completely refactored a lot. I mean, I basically can you do like what's it in IntelliJ Shift F6 Shift F6 the yeah, name? Yeah. Okay. And yeah. there's also I don't I don't I don't really I don't have many of the refactorings memorized, but no, no, like, yeah, I, I, got, I got really like, good with the shift F6. And in fact, at some point, I got really good at, uh, what is it, function shift F6. It's another kind of rename, right? No, no, it's it's because of the stupid, I don't oh. have an F6 on here. Okay, so, so I had to do the, the function to get my touch bar to show the damn F6 key. Well, you should do what I do, or maybe at least look at it. I use this, it's free. It's called Better Touch Tool. Do you, do you have that? Oh. Something that's required for a touch bar. Um, and you can basically just, custom, gives you more customizing options, I guess, for the huh. touch bar. But I have it set up that when if I'm if I switch over to IntelliJ, I get just straight up escape and F keys. That's all I have up there. Oh, yeah, I need to do that. Full time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't I don't use my laptop keyboard very often, but there are times where I'm just like I'm tired of being in my office and yeah. you know I'll just sit in the living room, kids are playing or something, and I'm I'm just trying to work at something, you know. Um, but I, I you know I really enjoyed it. I it was really quick. It was really fast. I mean, in terms of like renaming methods and things like that. I mean, I was able to. Knock those out pretty quickly, and it was nice. It was nice to not have to. That is nice. Worry that you know I named something wrong, or I want to change the name of something, and have to freaking do a final. You can't do a final replace because inevitably you'll you replace something else. You'll end up with like I don't know. You'll get get name, and you have something called get name prefix, and yeah. it starts to rename that. to no, get name get name prefix or something. Yeah, it's it's like a textual replace versus a semantic replace. Yeah. I mean, yeah. refactoring it, the you know, you're you're. Renaming or changing things and using a tool that understands your code yeah. and, and all the code that's right. I guess it's also one of those things where you better you probably need to have all of your code as a part of your subscription, right? Because if IC doesn't know about certain classes, it can't consider them when refactoring. Right. Yeah. This goes um, back this goes back to my eventually you can fight it all you want, but eventually everyone who's doing significant deployments mm-hmm. will get will will Come to the conclusion that you must track all metadata, and it must be all part of your build. Yeah. Now, one of the things that will not do, and it's understandable, but you can't refactor any uh, metadata objects. So you can't, like an S object, you can't refactor. You can't go into your code and say, "I'm going to change this account underscore C to account name underscore C or whatever." Yeah. You can't. You just can't do that. Um, so you, there, there are things that it, it'll tell you. I mean, you can hit the hotkey and it'll tell you this is not supported. Oh, okay, that's good. At least it, at least it can, at least it knows that it can't do those things and, yeah. and tells you. Um, I did make a mistake, and it's, it, it's, I don't know why I did it, but I got kind of refactoring happy, and I clicked on the class name. As, it was an argument in one of my methods, and I clicked on the class name, and I refactored it there. I don't know why I did that, but I did it there because I was like, oh, I don't want this to be named this. I want it to be named this because I changed the meaning of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I ended up deleting the class because it refactored it, but yeah. I, it was renaming it to something that already existed. It was weird. Hmm. And so it, it it went through. Yeah. I don't know if that was a bug or not, hmm. but it obviously was something I wasn't supposed to do. You're right. not supposed to refactor at that that level, but I did. I screwed it up. Hmm. And I had to go back in my history and find it and pull yeah. it back out, but Yeah. That's why you have version control. <laughs> it is. It is. <laughs> um, there's another feature in there that I really like. Uh, I haven't explored all the features. So there might be some features that I'm missing, but these are the things that I've used day one. As soon as I, as soon as I heard about it and it was released, I, you know, gave my credit card and said, "Give me it." And um, so it was refactoring and the code inspection tools. I love that thing. Um, essentially, just runs and looks for issues. It'll look for I don't know misspellings. It'll look for 
um, code errors or things that it thinks might be a code error where it can't resolve, you know, dependencies and things like that. It'll, it'll flag those. And those are really nice because you might be working on one piece of code and not realize that the thing you did changed something else because it was never recommitted. Mm. So it's in this invalid state and yeah. it helps you kind of find those because it'll list them. It'll, it'll say, oh, I can't, I can't resolve this dependency here. So there must be an issue here. Um, it does kind of give you name recognition so you can kind of try to be consistent. Uh, for instance, date time, it'll it'll flag you on the spelling of that. So apparently everyone else in the world do, does date time as one word, D-A, capital D, capital T. And Salesforce does a capital D, lowercase t. For what? For date time as, as, a, as a value type, as a data type. Salesforce is I, I a lowercase t. Well, well, the data type is date time. I don't... Yeah. I don't... Oh, I, oh, I see what you're saying. It's the spelling. So, it, you know, like if you did... Oh, the... the and it's, okay. it's actually context sensitive and it does it the way I do it, which is like if I'm using a string as a as a class, like string.join, okay. then, then it makes... It says, hey, this should be uppercase S. But if I'm using it as a data type, it should it be doesn't. lowercase. And so it'll, it'll, it knows the difference between those and it flags those. Um. Well, it shouldn't be lowercase. It's uppercase. The, the type of string is uppercase. No. It is. That's not the way I do it. I mean, you can't. Yeah. Well, Salesforce will <laughs> let you do whatever you want when it comes to cases, but that's. So, that's so if, a, I'm doing like if I'm doing like string var whatever or string x equals, then it's lowercase. But if I'm doing string.join okay. using it in that pers- as, as a class, then I use uppercase. So I, I believe you are going against the general Apex conventions by doing that. But it's totally your prerogative. And honestly, as long as you're consistent with it... That's... Honestly, I don't care about the Apex conventions. Okay. I think they're wrong. I think they deviate It's based on Java, and in Java, they're... they're... No, it's not. Awesome. Obviously, because date time would be D, capital D, capital T, and it's not. Yeah, so in Salesforce, the T is lowercase. Yeah. Not that it matters. It'll still run, because we don't have case sensitivity in the code, which really sucks. That's bit me a few times, too. Um, it's case-preserving, but not case-sensitive. How annoying is that? Yeah. Um, I'm just looking. I don't, yeah, I, I thought this. I, I don't think because well, I brought that up because I was like, I, I prefer capital C, and and Scott had sent me a note back saying, yeah, that's the way I had it too. But uh, someone had pinged me and said Salesforce has it as lowercase t. So if yeah. you're gonna if you're gonna try to enforce semantic here, then it's then the flag has got to be on the lowercase t. Let's see. Looking for so yeah, Java never really had a date time, um, but the new the new. I think it was in Java 8 when they added the new uh, kind of Jota time-based uh, time, date and time system. There are, like there's a local date time, there's an offset date time, and the T is capitalized. Yeah. And, I mean, that's probably something that Salesforce wish they could, one of the things they probably wish they could take back and fix that. But they, yeah, they actually could fix it because Apex is case insensitive. Unless, and, and I'm just using it as an example. I mean, there's yeah. other areas where it, it, it deviates. It's yeah. just, oh, yeah. I'm just using that as an right. example. That's interesting. Yeah, so yeah, I really like that tool. Um, uh, other than that, I haven't had any real issues. I don't have a reason to say, oh, it's kind of buggy. It's gonna, it's gonna break. I mean, it's been really stable for me. I haven't had any real issues with it. Um, I did one bug report, but that was. Um, I still have to circle back on that bug report because um, I'm still trying to figure out whether it's a an eliminate cloud issue or if it's a Salesforce API metadata API issue. Um. But I noticed that I was getting kind of false positives on my code coverage results. It was counting um, code within my test setup method. 
and I figured out why it was in what state to reproduce it as, but I still have to confirm whether or not it's Salesforce or if it's something in Illuminate Cloud. One's caching state in some in some way. So interesting. I'm looking for their announcement. He doesn't have oh wait, here it is on their website. Where is 2.0 release notes? I'm just looking for like a feature list, but I don't really see it. Anyway. It's on there somewhere. Yeah, I'm hoping to, I need to I need to install that before I get back to work after the new year. Well, that's that's next week, so that's true. It's coming up fast. New year. All right, is that our is that our news? We got more. Um we got more, but I think we should segue out into some other stuff. I think I, some of this stuff I can save for the next podcast. I still want to get into some of the security stuff from our community questions. Okay. Uh, I still want to get into Apex Sharp, um, but I do want to give that some time as well. Um, I had some stuff on integration testing, but that might send us down some rat holes. So Yeah. Yeah, we're about an hour in. I'm looking to get out of here before too long. So let's do, um, let's do the end of your stuff. So, do you have any thoughts, John? This year sucked. This year sucked? <laughs> Why is that? Uh, it was a, a low-income year for me. It was it? Yeah. Past years were much better to me than this year. I mean, if you, it's like if you don't work yourself to... And this is, the, this is, again, back to like the working hourly. It's just like you, you're incentivized to work yourself to death. Yeah. And if you don't, then... Well, I think... I th- well, part of it was, you know, the last couple of years, I'd been really busy. And so, I was able to kind of pick and choose what I worked on. Um, and then this year started out strong and then it got, and then it just went to hell. And so then I was kind of forced to kind of take things I wouldn't normally take. Mm. Um, and that really put me in kind of these positions where I was really unhappy with the work I was doing. I was really unhappy with the type of project I was on. Um, a lot of them turned sour, not because of anything we did, just because the type of project that it was, it was kind of one of those projects where you're like, Oh, this is not going to be good. And, when, and then, and then your 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 fears are confirmed when the project doesn't doesn't even kick off. I mean, you spent they spent a bunch of money for you to go up there and do these discoveries, and just doesn't progress any further than that. Yeah. So there's a few of those. Um, and then one of my bigger clients, who normally keeps me really busy, um, stopped keeping me busy. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it, it happens. It always yeah. happens. That's that's tough. That's that's just part of the freelancers. Yeah. Thing is, is your peaks and valleys are quite exaggerated. Yeah. I mean, you know, one project, one project can just absorb you for, for a long time, but it also can spit you out and be done with you, with not much notice. Yeah. Uh, and then if you and the and the problem is because it's so easy to be completely absorbed by one project, you kind of turn off your marketing funnel, your sales funnel. Yeah. You, you have to turn everything so. down, and then so people stop coming to you because you've been turning everything down. And then your project ends, mm-hmm. perhaps unceremoniously, and now you have no pipeline. You yeah. Know? So it's it is tough. It's yeah. Well, another thing that happened is is because this client has been so good to me over the years, and I, I you know we've done we've had this mutual kind of benefit for each other. You know, I've done really well for him, and he's he's compensated me really well. Um, that now that he doesn't have so much work, I'm having to do other things. Yet he, this client will contact me on things that he needs done now. Like there are like these one-off little emergency things that he needs done. And I, and I had to eventually just say, Hey, I'm, I'm busy. I can't jump on these things like I used to, you know, unless you're, you've got the the money to give me a 40 hour week here. I can't just drop everything else I'm doing because now I'm late on my other projects. Cause I jumped on this one thing and spent two days on it. Yeah. 
you know, so it's, it's that really tough thing where I, I want to, I want to do it for you. You've been really good to me and, and we've had a great working relationship, but man, I've got to get, I got to make money. I got to do some, some of this other stuff and I right. can't prioritize you anymore. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's really tough in that perspective. I mean, if, you know, and if that's really a problem for them, then they, then they just need to, um, pony up and do a, um, uh, a retainer. Yeah, but I think part of it was just me kind of raising my hand and setting that that expectation because um, I hadn't before. It was mm-hmm. just, no, just call me when you need me then. I'm going to go work on some other stuff. And then they called me and, and it was... But then, but then it's like, well, okay, you have to get in the queue. Yeah. I mean, that's the problem. I know, but stupid me, you hadn't set that expectation. Yeah. So I, I had to set that expectation. But right. until I had set that expectation, I got myself in the situation where I was mad dashing on that and then mad dashing on someone else because I deprioritized them to do this thinking it was a quick win and you yeah. know I mean that's to me that's always the expectation I mean yeah. you know and anytime someone comes to me with a, a project or some need or something then it's unless I've already committed to something I mean it's it's I will evaluate them as they come in and yeah. you know unless I unless there's some either unless I'm unless I happen to be slow and I have availability which I probably won't because if so, then stuff's going wrong in my business. I should never have availability. I should ne- you should never be able to call me and say, hey, can you work on this this week? I mean, I should never be able to say yes to that. If so, then I've definitely got problems. Yeah. So there's always going to be a queue. Well, from that perspective, I've had problems. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it, it, again, it ebbs and flows. I mean, sometimes you're too busy and sometimes you're, you're not busy. That's just, that's why this is a, it's, this is a tough life. Yeah. And it's, you know, I, would, I don't know. People, I, that's the most common thing people come to me with just for kind of like, I guess, advice or mentoring or whatever is, hey, I'm thinking about, you know, I know you've been doing this thing for 20 years now. I'm thinking about doing it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I mean, there's a lot of benefits to it. I mean, when things are going well, they're going really well. Yeah. But it can turn upside down it really in the blink of an eye. And you just have to be someone who is the type that prepares for that. Yeah. And Part of that's just, you know, typical financial preparation, but also having a pipeline, having a good network. I mean, if you're, you know, 25 years old and you've been, you know, you've been working for two years, probably not yet, I would say. Yeah. In most, in most cases. But if, you know, you've been, if you've been working for, I would say, 10 or more years and you've, you've been around and done some good things and you've got some good references and you've got people who would, if you've got, you know, I would say a handful of people who would sign up to hire you to do some work right now, then that's a, that's a good sign. If you don't have that, if your first question is, is and I don't know why I'm getting into this, I guess it's, it's, it's what well, it well, you brought up. It's the kind of the yeah. topic. But if you've got some people that are, um, that are, yeah, that are just like, well, we'll, we'll hire you right now to do things. And I hire, I mean, on a project basis, you know. Yeah. That's a good sign. And if you don't have that, then you're not ready yet. You're just not ready. You don't have the network. You don't have the experience. You don't have the reputation. But it's tough. It's never perfect. And it's, you know, it can, again, because... I mean, one project is all it takes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I only have 40 hours in a week. Yeah. And it I've got scale. I, I've got projects right now. I've got projects that want, that would take, uh, it would take 400 hours a week or a month from me. I only have 160 hours. So, so I'm, you know, I can get absorbed just instantaneously. Yeah. And then, so all of my other contacts and, and business relationships, I've, I've got to just say, well, gosh, not sure what to tell you, but I am, I'm just, I'm busy and I don't want to, I don't want to lead you on like I'm going to be able to do this in the next week or two or three or four. I mean, right. I don't know when. And so, I mean, a lot of times, a lot of times that's just like finding someone else or sending them to someone else or getting you to help me with something or with mm-hmm. those types of things. But a lot of times just the answer is, well, 
you know, I just I'm don't have availability right now. It just is what it is. I wish it was different now, you know, but wish I could help you. Yeah. I would love to take your money. <laughs> well, the other factor that plays into this is um, that's also when your rates go. By the way, one, that's, one client's that, rate is better than another. I was going to say no. That, that's <laughs> it's true. hard to say no to the client with the higher rate. That's because you've thing. already engaged with the small, smaller rate. And when you've got four or five people calling you saying, "Hey, we 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 really need you right now," that that's a good sign that your rates need to go need to go up. <laughs> I'm serious because because what this is this is. Again, this goes back to this is economics. I mean, I, I no, I laugh. The, the, just, that's the hardest, the, the company, hardest, the company thing that, to win. Is, the company is a that rate needs increase. you, that, that needs you the most, will be willing to pay a higher rate than people that yeah. they can, people that could live without it. Yeah, well. and let their money let the, let them speak with their wallet. You know, <sighs> and and when you, you know, when you when when the opposite happens, you're like, crap! I just finished this project and I don't have anything lined up. That's when you're like. Oh, I guess yeah. I'll my rate. Oh, you're only paying that? Well, okay, okay I'll take this once, <laughs> but just once. Then <laughs> <laughs> they call you up and like, yeah, let's let's do that same deal we did. Yeah. So that's when you gotta. That's when you gotta be able to be busy with another project that pays yeah. higher. Yeah. Otherwise, you're doing it for the same rate. It's not going to change. By the way, this is also the time of year when I have to figure out what in the hell am I doing for medical insurance this year. Yeah, I know your wife handles most of that for you guys, but yeah, the. So you and I have both been on these short-term major medical plans because yeah. they're not Obamacare compliant, but they also they're more you know instead of being two thousand a month, they're our, ours is under a thousand a yeah. month. I think I think it's like I think it's like seven hundred or something. Um, but of course that's going up again this year. Mm-hmm. But also they've they changed the law. I think this is a federal thing, but because before we were able to get an almost a year like an eleven month policy, and now you can only get three month policies. I think it was like a six month policy. I had an eleven month policy, so I had to I had to do a one month policy and then an eleven month policy to get me through the year. Mm. Uh, and now they've thanks thanks government. There's a new rule. There's a new law that says those policies can, can only be ninety days long. So what that means is if during a in a, a ninety day policy period, let's say you get cancer or you get hit by a bus or something, and you've got like you're going to have some ongoing bills here, right? What, mm. what let's say you've got forty five days left in your policy. When that policy's out, they're done. Mm-hmm. They have no more responsibility, and they're not going to renew you. Yeah, because it's not guaranteed. It's not guaranteed issue. But I'm sorry, I, I cannot afford. I, I, playing, I cannot afford yeah. twenty to thirty thousand dollars a month of medical premiums. It just it does not. It's not workable. I it's, mean, the, the full the full on price is more than my mortgage, and I'm I'm yeah, doing a fifteen no, year exactly. mortgage. I could go buy a house, another house with what I pay for yeah. what I would pay for Obama compliant uh, health insurance. Yeah. So that's that's you know I and I got to figure that, that out. That's another thing to consider for anyone who's looking to jump go freelance well, is uh it's yeah your expenses are immense. So that, that's what made me think of that is when the, the whole like oh should I you know should I go freelance? Well, maybe it just depends. There's a lot of things to consider though. And that's yeah. that's one of the big ones, especially if you have a family. Yeah. So you're paying all the taxes and uh, all the insurance. Well, John, looking back at the year business wise, Salesforce wise, what anything jump out at you or any notable? Uh, I, I think it was a good year for Lightning in general. I think I think it's really ga- gained a lot of traction. We've got a lot of new features. I mean, people are actually excited to use it and using it more, and more clients are talking about switching to it. Um, obviously, more more newer clients are are on it. They're not opting out of it and going straight to Classic. Um, where the year before they were kind of because there were so many features that they just didn't have and they didn't want users switching back and forth. But now that so much of it is enabled, I mean, there's still quite a few gaps, but uh, I think I think in general it's it's been a pretty positive year in terms of Lightning. We got a lot of great features this year, making it a much more usable tool. Yeah, I mean, this I think 2017 was the year that performance became acceptable. Yeah, that was another thing. 
And it also was the year that it seems like, again, feature-wise, it kind of hit a tipping point where it's like, okay, we can, we can for a lot of, you know, parts of our business or certain departments or whatever, we can, we can, we can do Lightning now. Mm-hmm. Because for the longest time, it just, and then again, this is one of those, I would have, I would love to, I would love to have been involved or just a fly on the wall in some of those retrospectives I had about Lightning. Because mm-hmm. I'm sure it's one of those things they're like, yeah, well, and in, in, uh, we should, in six months, we should be able to have everything converted over to Lightning. You know, and it's like, it turns out this is a, this is like a half a decade project just to get to, you know, 80% parity. Yeah. These things are always, you know, it's just like estimating software. <laughs> it is. And I, you know, I, and I deal with this, gosh, just all the time still. I mean, estimating projects and my, and I, you know, people are always, especially if it's one of these things where I didn't get to really set the expectation and I, or educate the client, they're, they're so disappointed when I, when I'm the one that tells them, well, you know, estimating is uh, very inaccurate, and it's kind of a kind of a charade. And the best thing to do is just line up your priorities, understand what's most important, and just start building something. And you'll you'll start to figure out what's possible. But I can't tell you right now what's possible. And I can't tell you what it's going to cost. I just can't. I'd yeah. love to get up here because I used to I used to do that because I I used to think I, I had to. And yeah. I'm, I'm I'm just I'm much more honest nowadays. And it you know. Some people really appreciate that. And some people that, I mean, I've kind of burned relationships because it just doesn't work. Like some people don't want me saying that. They don't want me being that honest or they'd rather me just like make some stuff up and try to sell the client on that. Yeah. Uh, and then hope for the best. <laughs> well, I, I think it kind of hit on it. I think, I think in general, this has been a year of tipping points. I think, <clears throat> I think a lot of things in general around Salesforce, we're starting to see, I don't want to say cynical, but we're, we're starting to see people see it for what it is. I mean, I more customers understand the spectacle that Dreamforce is and they're on, they're more open and honest about it than I've ever heard them before where they know they're getting sold on something. They know it's a sales pitch and they come to me and go, okay, what's the real story? Whereas before they're like, oh, wait, we can do this, this, and this. And I'm going, uh, yeah, but we have, it, it comes with these caveats or these are the pros and cons of that or this is what, what it can do and this is what it can't do given these requirements. Um, I'm seeing less of that. I'm seeing more and more either cautious or just well-informed clients who who maybe maybe all the easy wins are gone maybe that's it but either way i feel like like you know all these events and all these things the saturation they've had in the market that that it's it's not like it used to be you know i think people are far more skeptical if not cynical at times about the marketing hype and the things that they do and they're looking for more honest answers yeah that's, I mean, that's a sign of a maturing marketplace. I think. I think so. Uh, like yeah. w- when the, when all players, because you know, Salesforce on a on a one on one basis, the the power dynamic is so asymmetric. Mm-hmm. I mean, Salesforce not only do, in in just negotiating contracts do they have you by the balls, but like you you signed up to their proprietary system and you spent millions of dollars. In you know building out your company in this proprietary system, like it is it, asymmetric, doesn't even begin to describe how much they have you by the balls. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, at large, right at the on the on the aggregate, I would say um, there's a there's a balance there. I mean, customers as a whole do have you know, some power in that relationship with Salesforce, and I say Salesforce, it's any company, right? I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. but. Um, I, you know, I think you, I, I, to your point, I think you're seeing that people are, and I don't know if it's necessarily the power relationship, but it's just that in general, like customers as a whole are starting to 
not push back maybe because I don't see a lot of that pushback, but I see yeah. I see them becoming aware. They're mm-hmm. they're aware that this is a thing that Salesforce does. You know, they they're very they're on point. Mm-hmm. Their messaging is strong, their marketing and their psyops are just legendary. Mm-hmm. And you have to be aware of that lest you become a victim of it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> And I, I think before, I mean, I don't think they were aware of it, but I think, I think more and more now they are aware of it. And, you know, it, it, it I, th- I think you said it best when you said it was maturing. I, th- I think it is a sign of just the maturity. I don't, I don't necessarily see it as a bad thing or a bad thing for Salesforce or a bad thing for companies. I just think it's just a sign that the marketplace is maturing, especially as they gain so much saturation. Yeah. And, and a higher percentage of Salesforce's customer base are sophisticated customers. Mm-hmm. Whereas 10 years ago, you know, high percentage of unsophisticated customers. Mm-hmm. Just the marketing guy that's like, I'm going to go sign up for Salesforce. So the sales manager's like, oh, we got to get Salesforce. He goes, goes and signs up. Doesn't, you know, doesn't know squat about the technology or, you know, any the upsides, the downsides. It's just, mm-hmm. he went to Dreamforce or watched a video and got excited. And, you know, whereas Salesforce nowadays, I mean, it's still, it's still a big mix, but I mean, higher percentage of sophisticated customers. But I mean, you know, this enterprise software, the, the, all these companies... They spew so much crap, and everyone knows it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just, I, I mean, but I, I would, think that's the point. I was reading I mean, some end of I mean, your garden. When they're a startup, everyone's like, oh, this is great. This is new stuff. This is stuff we haven't seen before. I can't use my, my, my current rule set to apply to this. This is new. Yeah, right. But now it's, it's enterprise software. So people are going, yeah, I'll apply my current rule set to this. Yeah. yeah. My current rule set of skepticism. Anyway, um, what else? Um, you know, DX was a big thing for me, and it's, it's not, Super tangible for me right now, but it's. I think it's going to be, and I'm very excited about um, just who they've got running that and and mm-hmm. and the progress they've made so far. Honestly, um, I think it's been pretty impressive. I'm excited about uh, Chris Peterson running Apex now. Yeah. In fact, one of my. If we, you want to get into predictions, sure. I've got some here. Um, so, I and mean, one of them is just that Ape, I think I think this could be the year, 2018, that Apex will get namespaces. <laughs> and maybe and, at the very last minute and this say, time next year I'll maybe. say and or other significant improvements more than just a switch statement I, th- I think namespaces are too big to tackle the, the, the flip side of that coin is I don't think we're going to see any meaningful improvements to deployments or the metadata API hmm. I just don't think they're ready for that I think there's just so much legacy and cruft around how that works you know, I don't know. I I see. I'd love to be wrong. Don't get you know, get me wrong. I, I want to think that you're wrong because I, I see so much attention being put into these new APIs, and I think that's driving. Um, as they're touching those APIs, it's driving the changes to the metadata. Well, and I think the packaging, the packaging initiatives are going to push put a lot of pressure on that metadata API. Oh, it, it really, I mean, the it needs a, and I I hate to use this term, but it need it needs a, and it's a complete overall AA paradigm shift, John. <laughs> <laughs> I I need to do I need to apply um some NPR EQ to our voices to make that <laughs> to go into, <laughs> when I use those terms. Yep. Uh, um what else? Um g- generally speaking though like Bitcoin or blockchain where's all where's all that going? 
I think I think it's going to be seen for the hype and it's going to crash. Oh, see, I don't know. And I, this is probably the blind leading the blind because neither, neither you nor I are really like no. uh, blockchain experts. I kind of, I'm fascinated that people are fascinated in it. But, well, I, but I, I, I myself, I'm not fascinated by it. I, I don't the, know why. The, the fascination, and you're seeing it now. You're seeing a lot of predatory ads of, of people saying, oh, you've heard about this Bitcoin thing? Sign up with us to get your Bitcoin. Well, what, what, was, what was the like, non-tech company that renamed themselves to something blockchain last week? Did oh, you see I that? Know. I didn't see that. Yeah, their that. stock shot up. It was like a... Not even a tech company, I think. Yeah, see, I, I think it's hit. It's hit a. Uh, the sharks are coming out. Are coming out, and I think that's going to just force it to crash. It's, it's 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 if not crash, it's going to force it to self correct, and and a lot of people are going to lose. Well, there's so there's that hype cycle, right? Yeah. And what, who who did that? Was that Gartner that did the hype cycle? And so you've got like the peak of peak of excitement or whatever, and then the trough of disillusionment. Yeah. And then once you come out of that trough of disillusionment, you've got it's, you've you got you've got some long term value. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, let's but see. I mean, in that, there's going to be a lot of losers. Yeah. Okay, here we go. I'm going to read this to you. The Long Island Iced Tea Corporation. What? They do exactly what they say they're going to do. They're a company that sells bottled iced tea and lemonade. But they changed its name to Long Blockchain Corporation. Okay. The stock market loved the announcement. Trading open Thursday morning more than 200% higher than its Wednesday night closing price. Oh, has it? Has They're it self-corrected? Ice, bottled iced tea company. I don't know. That was the twenty first, so not, not that long ago. All right, um, I got a prediction. I think chat bots are going to flame out, and and hard. I mean, they're not going to go anywhere. Yeah, I don't think they're going to go away. We'll still just... have them. It's just that it, the hype around them. It's just going to fall away. You're not going to hear that much about. It. I mean, there's some cool things. You know, Microsoft's uh, bot framework is is seems to be really nice. Got a lot of traction and. And people will use that. It's a thing, but it's just, it's not going to be the panacea of, you know, you get to fire all your employees and whatever. It's, it's limited. And it, what's the, what, you know, there's the whole thing with VCA, um, what's the VCA, virtual customer assistant? Mm-hmm. You know, I think actually those are going to be, I think 2018, we're going to see a lot more pretty good VCAs. So maybe that's even, maybe that's a little contradictory from what I just said. But in general, like, I think just the hype around chatbot, that, that's, I don't know, overway, got, that got way overhyped this year. Yeah. I, I think it, I think along those lines, I think we're going to see a continued hype. I don't think it's going to come down. And in fact, I think it's going to get worse of uh, machine learning and AI. I think that's going to continue to just kind of be overhyped in your face about what it can do and what it means and the impact it's going to have in yeah. society. I mean, it, I, just, I just think it's going to continue. I do, however, think that IoT is going to continue to decline in, in terms of popularity. Um, I think IoT was overblown. Yeah. I think IoT was overblown in terms of what, how, you know, how how companies were going to be able to wield it and get value from it. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a valuable thing. It's just it's one of those things that I think people were like, "Oh, we let's get IoT. We got to get IoT." And then someone asked, "Well, why do we need IoT? How's it going to help us?" I don't know. Just get IoT. Yeah. What do we? Who, can we buy Salesforce from IoT? Okay, let's buy that. Buy that. It's like buying a. a, a an ESB in a box or what was it? You know, <laughs> SOA. You know, there were there were all these vendors. I mean. Yeah. You, you can you name the names of all these integration vendors that that created essentially SOAs in a box, which which is utter BS. But let me so let me jump down to because I did have an AI thing. So my my prediction was that AI is going to be in virtually everything, uh, at least as claimed by by people's product marketing departments. Yeah, we we can use air quotes but, here, right? But I do air but quote I, AI. But I do think let's just say machine learning. I do think that I mean it's really it's going to be in everything. Your mo it already is your mobile phones. Um, 
all kinds. I mean, like the uh, that IT ops. So what are they called? I and ops infrastructure operations. That that's I think that's the new. I don't know. You got to keep up with Gartner on all these acronyms. Mm-hmm. I'm serious. They just yeah. There's fast and furious. I read this. I read this art uh, Gartner. It was just a snippet because I don't have a Gartner account. Um, so I have to rely on either pirated things or or screenshots that people tweet and stuff. But there was one thing about it was about platforms as a service, I think, or maybe loco, I can't remember, but it was it was like someone had an SEO stroke. It was <laughs> it was so bad. <laughs> um but I, I think Salesforce is gonna continue to turn uh, and this is not not a difficult prediction to make, but I think they're gonna continue to use the term AI mm-hmm. to sell all their every product they have. Or well, really Einstein, but that, you know, well, it's, it's, safe them, bet, it's a safe AI. bet. We'll get another rebranding at least in twenty eighteen. And, and John, my point is though, whether or not it's actually got actual AI or not, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. They're going to call it AI. They're going to call it Einstein, and that's that's their. It's a sales tool. Mm-hmm. Einstein is a basically a sales tool. I mean, there's some real stuff there, but in a lot of areas, it's just simply a sales tool. Because what do you think Oracle's doing? What do you think SAP's doing? They're doing the same thing. And they're gonna and these these guys. I mean, they're they're developing real. They're all developing or trying to develop real machine learning and integrate machine learning and make it usable to to business users. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, it's again, it's, it's the arm race. Remember the marketing arms race that we went through, and that's kind of I guess somewhat settled out. All the I feel like the big time acquisitions are all done. You got you yeah. got Adobe, you got Oracle, you got Salesforce, you got um, I guess Microsoft, Microsoft too. Yeah. Microsoft by Omniture. One of the, I can't yeah. remember, but. You know, so that's kind of that's kind of leveled out. It's just the the territories have been established. Yeah, the 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 map has been drawn. And I think you know, I feel like AI. It's now that's where we're at with AI. We're we're all battling to see where the where the chairs are going to land. Yeah. So, what do you think about uh, some of, some of the buzzwords of this year, like Docker, lightweight containers? I do have some container stuff. I, do, I mean, I, I don't. I mean, I don't do a lot of container stuff, but I do. Um, it is by far the easiest way to deploy up. I mean, that's when, like, when I when I do do like Java stuff and now. I mean, it's all, it's all Docker. Um, Say it right, Jeremy. Docker lightweight containers. Docker the lightweight container. <laughs> oh, I think you added the V. He did add the D, didn't he? I don't know. Let's check. Docker lightweight containers. Uh, for some reason, in my head, I always hear Docker the lightweight container. Uh, so, <laughs> sounds like a tagline. Um, no, it's, and it's it's so easy for a developer. It makes developing so easy to just have Docker running locally um, and deployments a snap. So, but I do think uh, you know th- there's been there's been this battle. I mean, where the Docker or the container battle's been been fought is in the orchestration layer. So you've got like guys like Mesosphere and uh, Kubernetes, which is Google's thing, mm-hmm. uh, and then Docker. Um, is it Swarm? What's their Swarm? Sounds right. Hold on. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, it's Swarm. Yeah, and, and this is where I think Docker really blew it. Docker, the company, really blew it. Swarm, Why is that? well, Swarm was there. That's their orchestration product, and that was there just from my from my following, which is not intense. I'm not. I'm no Gartner analyst, but that was that was their monetization possibility was orchestration. That was mm-hmm. the part of the stack they could monetize. The container itself, they couldn't because it's. I mean, the container itself is. I mean, it's it's all dependent on all this open source technology. I mean, like, uh, yeah, jails and and namespaces, all these Linuxy things, uh, which are open source. And they don't control. Now they did create a 
a container format, which kind of I put a put a nice standard around all these loose technologies, Linux technologies that that allowed everyone to kind of have a standard to, to work on. Mm-hmm. But you can't really that was not really monetizable. What was monetizable was orchestration, and they I've just watched them over the past year or two let Google just eat their lunch without them doing seemingly much about it. Now, maybe they just, maybe they're going up against Google and there's not much you can do. I mean, the last thing you want to see is like Google or Microsoft or Salesforce or Amazon getting in your business, whatever business you're in. And by the way, that should be another prediction. prediction. Good chance Salesforce is going to get in your business next year if they haven't already, because they're going to continue the vertical. I don't even have that as my list, but it should have been. The vertical thing is is on like Donkey Kong because oh yeah they've got to continue this growth rate yeah and they're not gonna they're not gonna get they're not gonna be out of, be able to do that by selling more CRM or marketing software it's gonna be guy by verticals mm-hmm. yeah anyway, so, I'd agree with that prediction but my final thing on Docker was I think they blew the opportunity so I think they're gonna get devalued to the point that they're gonna be a big takeover target and someone's gonna buy them mm. any uh, takers I have no idea I haven't really thought through that um, Oracle who would Someone who doesn't, Oracle might not be a bad one because, you know, Amazon is now, uh, you know, after the last reinvent, they've kind of just buddied up with, um, what's AKS that they have now? Is their container, Amazon container service? So that that's a full thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, Oracle would make sense for them to have a, although, yeah, I don't know because, well, so Oracle's in on containers for well, sure. We can talk about who would want them, but I think, I think Oracle would not only be the best fit, but I think Oracle would, would want it all the more reason just to to kind of solidify their platform. Well again, but because orchestration is the is the layer that can be monetized, it's also the layer that can be uh, used as for differentiation. Mm-hmm. And so that's why it might make sense for Oracle if they're trying to compete against Google and Amazon and for a, for an orchestration product, yeah. buying Docker could be could be that. Any predictions on uh, Salesforce either a Buyout or or them buying someone else? Not really. I mean, with their stock as it's how, how it's appreciated. Of course, the whole stock market is. Yeah, I mean th- that's that's another just look like a 2017. Wow. I mean, look at your 401k if you haven't in a while. I mean, what a great year. Um, so yeah, I mean, when when Salesforce was at 60, they were attractive takeover. I don't know that they are now. I mean, I think I actually I think that's if you look back at 2017, that's I think Microsoft failed. I think Microsoft should have bought. Salesforce. And they didn't. And now they now it's not even possible. Yeah, I'd agree. I really don't see who who could come in and do it. I mean, again, not, and not, not not get any kind of value out of it. I mean not if something in the in the in their stock price doesn't. I mean if Salesforce again, if they if they if the stock price tanks, that's you know, all bets are off. I mean, they'll become a takeover target. But at this point I, I mean that might be a conversation to be had in twenty nineteen if if they don't if twenty eighteen doesn't doesn't continue the growth rate. I mean that that's that's a possibility. I mean, twenty eighteen is kind of like their free year. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, yeah. Salesforce's stock price is so it's so tied to expected future performance mm-hmm. that if they and, and and really aggressive expectations, then you know again they look at the, look at that per, absolutely perfect linear line of their growth. The beat and raise, the beat and raise, the beat and raise, the beat and raise over the past, what is it, like 40 quarters or something like that? It's ridiculous. Um, it's a great business. If that, if that curve starts to bend, then they are in trouble. Unless they become highly profitable at that point. Yeah. All right, my next question. Uh, do you think Benioff will make any changes next year? 
You think he'll continue like, to stay to himself, on? To his role? Is that what to you his mean? role. I don't know. I mean... I mean, I kind of see, I kind of see him teetering he's on still the edge. Kind of, of a young guy, you know. What's he gonna do? Yeah, I know. I don't know. I mean, what Larry? I think he's still Larry's got to be fifteen years older than him, at least, and he's still at it. Yeah, but Larry isn't CEO anymore. He's co-CEO, isn't he, or is no. he executive chairman? He's chairman. Just he's got he, two CEOs just, running his, because, his company. That's true. That's just because he didn't. <laughs> that's just because he didn't want to have to, you know, get at the office at eight thirty. I don't think Benioff does either. I think no. he's got other ambitions. No, he can get away with it. And so I think I. I uh, I'm going to make a bold prediction and say that I believe that at some point next year Benioff may transition his role into just full on chairman and and yeah elevate someone to the CEO I can see position. That. I think I've said that you know I can see him being executive chairman and letting uh, Keith yeah be the CEO. Not not to me we won't see him at Dreamforce and things like that. I think he'll still be ever present, but uh, ever present. Yeah, um, but yeah, that, that's my prediction. I think, you know, um, another thing, this, uh, you know, the function as a service, I, I think that's going to be, I think that'll have a breakout year. If it, if it didn't in 2017, it definitely will in 2018. Hmm. Um, I haven't given much thought. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny because, you know, it's like all old, new, all old things are become new again. Mm-hmm. You know, back in the day, do you remember, um, did you ever have like a, or did you ever do like, you know, PHP websites or anything mm-hmm. where you just like, you upload it to a, get a web host account or whatever, and it's a shared a shared account. You know, there's li- literally like 400 other websites on it that just hardly get any traffic, so they just put all of them all on, on one yeah. server. And, and that's kind it's of what, WordPress. that's kind of what, <laughs> I know exactly. <laughs> that's kind of what function, the fun, the whole, you know, Lambda function as a service thing is. You're just, you're back to running on the server with a bunch of other guys. <laughs> that's what Salesforce is. And you don't have to, and, and, and you're completely out of the business of running the server in any way whatsoever. That's the service's job to run it. Just like with shared hosting, shared, you know, <laughs> static website hosting. Yeah, but I think the difference is, and I, this is what makes it new again, is just there's so much power available now. Well, there is. And then, like, you know, you've got, like, at least in the AWS case, you've got the full security model and, and, uh, there's better proxying and all that stuff. There's better algorithms around, you know, how to load balance and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's, it's not like it used to be. Right. Right. But not, th- I, yeah, so that's that. Um, what else? Uh, kind of along the same topic here. I think, I think uh, you know, there's been a ton of hype around microservices and everyone has seemingly been trying to, you know, to migrate their, uh, their code base to microservices. Let's split this up and make, turn everything into microservices. And I think what's going to happen is people, and it's already started to happen, so this is also not a tough prediction, but people are realizing that that's, microservices are actually, a, they're a good fit for a, I think, a relatively small minority of applications. Yeah. I I was going to say that I, when I started thinking about microservices and trying to understand them, I was I was I liked the idea of them, but then I I saw all the problems with cross communication across those services and the chatter between them, and I'm like, holy crap! How do you orchestrate this? Right, because it's all essentially it's all for the most part all it's all HTTP between these different services, yeah. and so you have to like model out all that latency. Yeah, it's just it's a completely different way to manage. Uh, services and it, and I think if you're going full on microservice spec, your data store is also separate, is it not? Well, they're supposed to so, be able to run independently. Yeah, well, typically, like you know, each, every every microservice that makes up your application could potentially have its own data store. It's responsible. So you can't for, even rely on a single hub of data no, anymore. No. So I'm like, oh, this is crazy. So I think what's going to happen is right now. I, th- I feel like in 2017, people were embarrassed to say they still built a monolith application. I feel like that's going to be back into the okay to do. 
column. Mm. It's okay to have a monolithic application. A lot of applications should be monolith monolithic applications. Yeah. Fat clients. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. We, I'm not going to shame anyone's clients, John. Okay. Hey, I built some pretty good fat clients in my day. <laughs> well, those are my predictions. I don't really, I didn't really have any like, um, you know, bold, bold Salesforce things. predictions. I made a few. Yeah. I made a few. I, I stuck my neck out. I do think, I think if we want to talk about the community and the Ohana as a whole, how do you feel that going? Do you think there's going to be some. You're just, of, you're just, you can say that with a straight face nowadays. You know that? What? That's kind of scary. That I can say what? Oh, the, the Ohana. The Ohana. <laughs> He's like, I know. <laughs> That's sad. You just made me realize how sad that was that I can say you that. Didn't, with you didn't even face. blink, man. I know. <laughs> uh, maybe that answers my, my question. I mean, do you, I, I, I see people getting more and more tired of, of this Ohana concept. I don't know. I mean, my Twitter is so full of it. I, I think, I think, yeah. I guess I still don't have the perspective of a customer. I, I, I see kind of, two sides of the community where some really hate it, some don't care and others that are just, they're all about the Ohana. It's their life. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're grooming their kids to be Salesforce admins. Oh, they're babies, they're newborns. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> just this, this will continue to happen until, until the reckoning comes in the, with the Salesforce ecosystem. And then it's going to be like, oh crap, this is not an Ohana. This is, turns out this is business. And it's gonna it's gonna suffer brutally by the hand of the of the free marketplace. Yeah, maybe. So, well, that you know, who knows when that'll be? But it will happen, and it will no longer be the Ohana. <laughs> It'll be like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you should oh, well, so, that, so that's your prediction: the Ohana get rebranded. <clears throat> um, <laughs> uh, rebranding is too is not even strong enough of a word. I don't know what the word is. Well, okay, here's here's another question then, along the lines of the community. Do you think this trailhead thing is going to continue next year? Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. You I think? mean, I think trailhead's a good thing. That's, no, that, I don't mean as as a concept. I mean as a name. Do you think they'll rebrand trailhead? I don't think so, because I think it's a good brand. I hope yeah. not. I think it's a good brand. Okay. I think it's a good name. I don't and, I don't like the trailblazer thing, because trailblazer to me is someone going off doing something no one's ever done. And yet, but it's you're, a you're good saying, message. be a trailblazer, do what everyone else is doing. It doesn't matter if it's true or not, though, John. It's a good message. It's an exciting message. <sighs> really? And it's Follow sold. the herd. Be a, be a non-trailblazer and follow the herd yeah, and does, do what else is. What does Oracle is. have? What does SAP have? They don't have crap. They don't have any good messaging. You know what they have? Profit. Well, that's true. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. No, I mean... I don't know. We'll see. Sales. Listen, if Salesforce can keep growing at 25%, they don't have to have profit yet. Oracle is treading water revenue-wise, but they, you know, dump us, you know, a few billion dollars every year in their in their bank accounts. So, you know, you can do that. <laughs> Got to do one of two things. Yeah. I mean, it's it's funny. It's it's a new world. Maybe it's not new and I'm just whatever, but you don't have to make money to become a billionaire. Yeah, Amazon's a perfect example of that. Well, what is Salesforce not? Yeah, but Benioff isn't worth what Jeff Bezos is. Well, no, but you know, Amazon's ten times bigger than Salesforce, literally. Yeah, but I remember, I remember when Amazon came out and 
all the talk about how they're not making money, how they lose money on everything. And, and they started venturing off on all these weird things. And people were just, they were crazy about how they just weren't profitable. And yet now here they are, the one of the biggest companies ever, making the most money ever. Yeah. And I still don't think they turn much profit, at least not on the, the Amazon side, right? Let's look. Amazon Inc. I mean, I think they're profitable, just not, not like hand over fist. <clears throat> so their EPS is $3.96. Let's look at financials. Financials. So for the three months that ended, what is that, September 30th? $43 billion in revenue. Woo! That's in a quarter, John. That's a quarter. Is that right? It is right. Holy cow. Uh, profit. Fast going and profitable Amazon is a scary Amazon. So net income, $256 million. So that's, it's, it's thin, right? It's, it's thin. But yeah. they are making money. There's a Forbes article that comes up. It says, uh, oh, I lost the title. Hold on. Stupid Forbes. There's stupid ad. The Amazon era. No profits, no problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're, I mean, they're more profitable than Salesforce. I feel like, no, it, you know, with these companies where they're, you know, basically there's no profit, no problem because it's, it's like we're playing this shell game in the market with this money. You know, we're just moving this money around and, and you know, you never know when it's, when it's going to stop and you hope you pick the right, the right uh, shell and, and the nut is underneath it because otherwise you're, you're the loser. So I'm sorry. <clears throat> they have a, I was looking at the wrong thing. The, the PE ratio is what's interesting, which is the price you pay for a dollar of their share versus, well, not for a dollar, but the price you pay for a share of their stock versus how much profit that, that one share represents. Mm-hmm. And their PE ratio and typical good number, you know, like an, a a high number would be like twenty. I mean, historically, like you know, you're looking at ten to fifteen maybe for companies, two hundred ninety eight. So for every dollar there, that stock will make you in a year, and and that stock represents in profit. You're paying two hundred ninety eight dollars for that. So obviously, completely out of whack. But at least there's this positive. Salesforce's PE ratio is negative. <laughs> Because their earnings are negative, so it flips the whole thing up. But yeah. Oh well, I was going to ask if you predict any dividends next year, but I guess not. Well, I mean, <laughs> I I'm not an expert with these things, but it looks like Salesforce is you know they're they're looks like their gross margins have slowly gotten better, but but more importantly, I think they've they've been holding their costs growth to 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 a lower rate than their revenue growth. So by that logic, they they're going to be, be profitable, and they've been right on the edge. They're basically, if it, well, <laughs> even even with their uh, stock dilution, you know their their stock based compensation. We talk about the non gap. Mm-hmm. Even with that, they're they're getting closer to to um, even with that taken. Even if you consider that an expense, they're getting, they're getting closer to profitability. So so far, but boy, they they have a long way to go to grow in, into that stock price. That that's the we're still on thin ice, in my opinion. Either way, we'll have jobs next year, right? I hope so. I hope the, <laughs> if the Ohana still loves us, John. But we got to pray to the Ohana gods. Uh, so what, let's let's uh, tie a bow on this and let's talk about podcasts next year. We did really well this year. If we want to do a look back on this year, we stayed pretty consistent on our posting. I, I think we really committed to it, and we we rarely, if ever, missed. 
unless there's some overriding circumstance. Right. Yeah, we probably did 50 episodes, I'm guessing, if you looked. Yeah, 45 I mean, to 50? Maybe more. I don't know. I mean, it's, we, did, we rocked it this year. I guess. I mean, probably this time next year, we'll definitely be at 200. Oh, episodes. Yeah, because yeah. this is 190, no, 157. 157, 157 yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's been interesting, you know. Um, we'll see what happens. It's, it's still challenging. It's challenging to take the time to do this. Don't complain. You well, I'm not. Like it. I'm not, but I feel like we've... Because if you didn't like it, you wouldn't do it. No, no, but look, 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 I mean, look, look back at this year. We, we've done, you know, 50 episodes. We've, it takes work to make it happen that consistently. And it's not supposed to be work. I don't see it as work. I mean, we do have to, we have to work at carving out the time and we do kind of have to do some prepping, but... It is hard a lot of times. I, maybe I'm downplaying that, but I, I think once the mics turn on, it doesn't feel like work when the mics are on. Once you're in the glow of the light? Well, the whiskey helps, but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with the 14 and a half It's not like I sit beer. here with whiskey and I'm coding. It's just... Right. Unless it's the weekend, but... <laughs> but yeah, I... I don't know. I mean, I, I like doing it. So, um, we're going to give it another go next year? I guess, yeah. I'm going to keep it going. Stuff. I got to figure out how to use this little stream deck you got me here. If you don't like it, we'll take it back. Well, I'm, we got we to gotta either figure out how to get it to work or, yeah, save the packaging. <laughs> For those that don't know, I gave Jeremy a, a Christmas present, and it was something to help him with his clips. And uh, it didn't work the way I thought it was well, going to work. No, it wasn't for clips, was it? Yeah. I mean, I, I got it for, it's, it's, it's for macros. It's for hotkeys. It's like a yeah. button deck for, for macros. Um, but one of my first thoughts of usage was, oh, you could hotkey the, the click, the uh, clips and he'd have a, he'd have them all lined up and iconed and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, it might make things easier for him because right now he has to search and juggle like three different mouse movements and then click play. And then there's a delay. So it's kind of impacted our ability to do, use more clips. Yeah. So I mean, I have 159 clips, right? Well, I thought for like your quick, the quick usual ones that we use, obviously if, if it's an obscure one, you'd have to look it up, but I mean, you know, your, yeah. your quick wins, right? Your woos and your, you can't do that with Salesforce and yeah, it's, I don't think it, I don't think it, I don't know. I'm not sure it does that. I'll have to see. Yeah. But. So I'm sad because my gift failed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's for, I th the thing is, it's for streaming, and so it's got all these hard code. It's, it's tied into like the APIs of like you know YouTube and Twitter and and uh, what's the that's the uh, Twitch Twitch yeah and all those. So we're trying to use it for something that's really well. I not, thought it was more flexible than that. I thought you know yeah, it had some tie-ins to those apps, but I I could have swore that when I was looking at it that it it's it made it the seem marketing like, sold you, John. It did. It made this, it seem like a, it would kind of. <laughs> You know, run you a should know for, better by now. I You've know. been working in the Salesforce system for uh, 15 years. You know, I'm tired. You're lucky I got you something. <laughs> I tried. I tried. This is the most technological advanced gift I, I received this year, for sure. Oh. Unless you consider vacuum savers. You know, high, hot tech. <laughs> well, it literally is hot tech, I guess, because it's a heat seal. Well, if you don't <laughs> like it, we'll put our heads together and come up with a new tech gadget for you. All right. That's my thing. Yeah, John. Well, I think, I think we're wrapping this up. I think, I think this year is a wrap. This, will, yeah. this is our last one for the year. And uh, we'll see everyone in the new year. Yeah, happy new year, everyone. Happy new year. Thanks for listening. It's been fun. It has. We'll keep doing it. And to that, I say good day, sir. And happy new year. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. <laughs>
Ah, uh, I can't. That was not too bad. I can't, I can't. I can't. It's hard to get that going. Yeah. <laughs> that was horrible. 